gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not gonna take this anymore. I'm gonna show the whole world why I was the unscripted, uncensored, loose cannon of commentary. I'm back, baby. Broadcasting from Manchester in the United Kingdom, this is the Aaron Meta Show. I'm in what many would consider the calm before the storm. Instead of uh, dark and clouds, uh, you got signs all over the place. I'm only up the road from the Conservative Party conference, uh, where, and right now this is definitely not what you think uh, of a Conservative Party conference when you look at all the signs around here. They get the Tories out, Socialist Party, everything along those lines, trade unions all over the place. This looks like a confrontation uh, that is waiting to happen. You're listening to the Aaron Metta Show. It is the 7th of October of 2015. Thank you very much for checking us out on Liberated Syndication. You can also find us on Mixcloud, Facebook, Twitter. It's Aaron Metta Show. You can find us on there as well. We're going to talk to a number of people, uh, try and get a, a kind of a sense of mood uh, before this protest begins. And uh, now I'm going to see if I can try and get up to the other side of the road for the Tory party conference to see uh, what they all think of this and uh, whether they think that their policies or what they've been telling the people um, in regards to what they need to do, in regards to austerity, in regards to the eco- the economy, it's really filtering through with uh, the majority of people. Because when you see what they've got organised here, this looks like uh, an org- a pretty organised event, which is going to attract a lot of people. Someone's finally fi- happily pressed the uh, button for me, which is pretty nice. Thank you. Um, let's talk to some people, see what. Let's go into the mood and see what's going on here. Maybe some people will want to talk to me. Hi, my name's Aaron, I'm from uh, the Aaron Meta Show. Can I talk to you guys if that's okay about what's going on today? Yeah. Um, can I ask you, uh, I mean, what's your name, sorry? My name's Lydia. Hey, Lillian, you okay? Um, so, what's today all about for you? It's about celebrating opposition. Opposition of? Opp- opposition of oppressive policies. And for me, it's about re-presenting ideas about saving money on weapons of mass destruction which is our trident nuclear weapons system um, we could spend it on much better things so yeah Jeremy Corbyn's latest uh, comments about trident uh, in regards to uh, saying he wouldn't push the button uh, some people in the Labour Party pushing him the other way um, I'm assuming you're pretty happy with what uh, Jeremy Corbyn's currently saying at the moment I think he's a man of principle and he's always said that I've always said that I wouldn't press the button you think, though, uh, I mean, obviously we've never been in a scenario where we don't, we don't know uh, if someone's going to launch an attack on us or anything like that. I mean, I mean, surely somewhere do you think it may actually be you know, an ultimate, I mean, ultimate last resort? No, I think you have to talk to people. And I think women should be talking to each other across the planet so that we can resolve issues instead of going for pointing very nasty, dangerous weapons at each other, which we know would annihilate every living thing on the planet, not just humans. Someone who spoke to a North Korean defector, I wouldn't necessarily say Kim Jong-un was a approachable person, would you? I don't know anything about him. Hmm. Well, we don't know anything about him, that's really interesting. So, uh, I mean, how many people do you expect to turn out today? I mean, uh, is it, I mean, how many, you, give me a rough estimate of the number of how many people you think is going to come out? Hmm, I don't know, about 100,000. Not put off by the weather, do you reckon? The weather's great. Yeah. Storm clouds are gathering. <laughs> It'll be fine. <laughs> this is Manchester. But, yeah. Thank you very much for being on the show. Thank you very much. Okay. We're going to talk to some other people now. There's a guy in a no-cuts uh, t-shirt, actually. Yeah. Hey, mate. Uh, my name's Aaron. I host the Aaron Meta Show. Uh, can I talk to you about today, if that's yeah. all right? Yeah. Um, why are you here today? 
Um, I'm here today to protest against the Tory government and having their conference in Manchester. I believe that education should be one of the main priorities of the government. They should not have to rise prices of tuition fees. They should cut tuition fees altogether. Because it's happened before. But it's happened before in other countries. It can happen in this country. How do you pay for it? Um, at the minute, I'm using student finance, but. Because of Chancellor George Osborne, we don't know whether that is getting cut this year. So before I apply for university, I really need to know how I'm going to how I'm going to pay for it because I don't know. Yeah, uh, some people. I recently read an article about some students uh, uh, going towards Central Europe in regards to uh, education. I mean, is that something you would consider if uh, what George Osborne does is uh, you know factual? Yeah, I, w- I, I would consider it. Yeah, I, I, it the. Education has become quite poor in this country, the standard of it. And teachers are really ticked off. I stand with the teachers on the matter that they should ha- get a pay rise instead of having other MPs in government at the minute with, I think it was a 20%, no, 10% pay rise. And yet they cannot afford a 1% pay rise for teachers or NHS staff. Mm. I mean, how do you feel, um, I mean, how does the future feel for you at the moment? Because obviously you, you're going to say you're going to be going to, you want to attend, attend higher education yeah. soon. I mean, after that, I mean, what, what do you think is going to happen to you? I don't know. That's the, that's the question I'm asking myself. It's, it's daunting. The, it, the, uns, the uncertainty at the minute, it's, it's horrible. This country really is on its knees. Yeah. And if you spoke to a Conservative politician about your future, what do you think he would say to you? They tell me that to invest in the bank of mum and dad when, let's face it... Do you have that luxury? No. Yeah, well, thank you very much for talking to me, pal. Uh, I wish you all luck today. Um, let's talk to some other people. Um, I have to say, the it is varied, uh, the amount of people that are out here. They have. Uh, I mean, there's many people uh, wanting to... Welcome refugees. There's many people from Socialist Workers Party. The, the the one thing the Socialist Party also has a pretty much a big, a big presence here, though. The one thing I would say is that there doesn't seem to be there seems to be people here wanting to come together, but there doesn't seem to be much. Um, I want to say unity. I would say. Hey, we're going to walk up this down the street. Let's talk to all these people. Let's see what they have to say, and then after that, we'll uh, go down to the Conservative side of things and see what they have to say. There's also a lot of science in preparation as well. The first thing I saw, actually I should have mentioned this in the very start of this, uh, the first thing I saw when I first drove into Manchester was a TUC coach part drop-off zone here. And you, you would not think, you know, you think that's the Conservative Party being in town. You think, um, you know, with the presence that they have in the country, you would think that there would be uh, something, something different in the air, but... Uh, no, this is uh, what's uh, coming to welcome them. A lot of stalls around the place as well. I think the socialist workers are hoping to uh, get some foot inroads here. Though, mind you, I think maybe the presence of Jeremy Corbyn might uh, might turn heads otherwise. I'm Aaron from the Aaron Meta Show. Uh, you all right? Um, I want to talk to you about today, if that's okay. Yeah, all right. Yeah. So, what's your name, sir? Uh, my name's Ken Douglas. Ken, thanks for joining me on the show. Um, so, what's today about for you? I mean, talk me through it. Well, this is uh, this is demonstration uh, lobby of the Tory Party conference uh, saying we don't want any more austerity. We we want to stop the cuts uh, because we think uh, these cuts are political. You know, as Jeremy Corbyn has said, as now the new leader of the Labour Party, uh, the Tories tell us, well, we have to have these cuts. We have to pay off the deficit. 
but it's workers who are suffering from the cuts in terms of the cuts in local services and there's massive cuts coming down the line over the next few months in the councils in the councils chambers and yet at the same time the rich are getting richer yeah can i ask i mean i've seen a lot of signs today i mean i've seen uh, the socialist workers party uh, i mean i'm trying to get them to talk to me that they won't uh, I, I mean uh, i've seen the socialist party here as well and uh, i mean assuming somewhere down the line the labor party here is going well how's this anti-austerity movement going to work uh, with so many uh, organizations all all in one place well this demonstration has been called by the uh, trade unions by the tuc and we say that uh, the organised trade union movement should lead the fight against the cuts. Uh, and that should be, obviously, demonstrations are good, but in the end there has to be strike action. That's the power of workers in this country, is to take strike action. Yeah. Uh, the TUC, the TUC con- congr- recent TUC Congress voted for general strike action against the, trade union, the anti-trade union bill. Uh, and we say, you know, that's what's needed to push this, to push the Tory back, Tories back, and stop them in their tracks. Yeah, I mean, so I, what's, in, what's important is uh, not which organisation, whatever organisation, are campaigning around here today. It's important that it's led by the trade unions and by the organised working class. Yeah. Can I ask, I mean, I, I've heard the trade union bill, and yeah, it's uh, not the greatest of legislation at all, but, uh, I mean, there is one bit of it which, you know, someone as a, you know, as a Democrat uh, really do believe in, and that is uh, getting over 50% of the vote in order for something to pass. Kind of, you know, I've always said that about our MPs. We have MPs right now who are sitting in constituencies, you know, all, all happy dandy, you know, with only you know, a couple of thousand votes, but not the majority of the people. Why can't that be applied to trade union in regards to strike action or any other uh, action that you want to take? Uh, well, the irony is is that the trade unions want to use different methods of balloting their members using social media, uh, Twitter and things like that, uh, and the Tories won't allow them to do so. That's not in the trade union bill. It has to be done by a ballot that goes to their individual homes. And the reality is this uh, trade union bill isn't about democracy. It's about trying to curtail the ability of trade unions and workers to fight back against the cuts that are coming the even greater cuts that are coming down the line. Don't get me wrong, I don't, I don't argue for the trade union bill at all, but what I argue for the fact that, uh, you know, what is wrong with saying, OK, you've got these 50% of people, over 50% of people that you've got, wanting to vote for your strike action, you've uh, got the majority that you need, but why would, why would that be uh, more harmful than saying, oh, well, we've got these, like, 25% of people and they've all just said, yeah. You see, that's one measure. That's one measure in the bill. Another measure is that uh, companies should be allowed to bring in agency workers when workers go on strike, which is illegal at this uh, currently. And again, that is uh, that is the intention to do that is to restrict workers' ability to fight back against the attacks of the uh, bosses, whether it's uh, you know whether it's uh, uh, unreasonable demands of the boss, whether it's fighting back against wage cuts or cuts in terms and conditions. This bill isn't about democracy. The Tories aren't about, aren't about extending democracy. All they want to do is restrict workers, is try and prevent workers from being able to uh, fight back. Yeah. So in the Socialist Party right now, obviously, well, we know what you're talking about, but, uh, I mean, do you have any concerns about the fact that, you know, you still have, uh, well, a fragmented left, pretty much? You know, the Tories, you know, the only fragmentation they seem to have is basically UKIP. I mean, are you worried the fact that uh, there seems to still be this fragmentation that you see? You know, when you go to the People's Assembly, you see this kind of unity but then we went to the general election it seems that you know the anti-austerity party seems to be fighting for the same people for the same vote well everybody's united against the cuts uh, 
I would but just not in the elections. Well, we, we, we stood as part of the trade unionist and socialist coalition, which uh, was, is a, the SWP are part of that uh, coalition, other groups are part of that coalition, and uh, the RMT uh, is a major trade union involved, but other trade unions uh, stood. Uh, we stood uh, over a thousand candidates, uh, local election candidates in the last election, and that just wasn't members of the Socialist Party or other anti-cuts groups. It was a whole raft of uh, trade unionists, community campaigners, uh, who all stood under the banner of the trade unionists. Correct me if I'm wrong, you do actually do have one MP currently sitting in the Parliament, don't you, in regards to the, uh, trade, in regards to the coalition? No. No, you don't. But you did do it at one point. Uh, well, Dave Nellis is the leader, of the, is the uh, chairperson of the, social, uh, the Trade Unionist and Socialist Coalition. He was a Labour MP. Yeah. He was a Labour MP in the 1980s. He was a militant supporter in the 1980s. He stood as an MP on a, a workers' MP on a workers' wage. We do have, oh, there are councillors uh, around the country and uh, uh, um, uh, local councillors. But uh, what the... What the and it is about it is about fighting the cuts. It is about saying that we want councillors and we want MPs who don't just say they're against cuts, but actually vote against them and uh, actively uh, fight them. Yeah. Uh, but uh, forgive me, there there was a, you know six hundred and fifty MPs is hard to keep count of them all. But <laughs> no problem. But what the, what the Tusk is about is about raising the idea of workers' representation of a new workers' party. Because historically, the Labour Party was always was created by the unions to represent workers' interests. We'd say under Blair and Brown and uh, Miliband, it, it stopped doing that. It stopped being a party that represented workers and became another party that represented the rich, just like the Tory Party. There's a battle in the Labour Party now because of the election of uh, of Jeremy Corbyn, who's a left MP and has said that he wants the Labour Party to be to represent workers to fight fight austerity. There's going to be a huge battle now that takes place in the Labour Party because the reality is it is still dominated by the right wing and by, uh, by those who, in the end, uh, uh, turn the Labour Party into an out-and-out -out, uh, big business party. Yeah. Um, well, in regards to, you know, obviously the right wing elements of the Labour Party, they exist obviously for a reason. I mean, how do you win Tory voters back? Well, uh, the Tories were elected with the lowest share of the vote since 1918 so it's not the case it's a myth that uh, loads of people vote for the Tory party because they're you know they're right wing or they agree with the uh, Tory party the, the, the fact was yeah, I agree with you on that but in regards to the in regards to the framework that we've got right now obviously our electoral system is broken I've always argued about that but uh, I mean in regards to the framework that we have now uh, obviously those people are going to have to be won back somehow how do you do it well, you win, them back, you win them back by promoting policies which they, you know, which which chime with their own experiences. So, and and again, we see a sign of that with the, the election of Jerry, Jeremy Corbyn as leader of the Labour Party. Now, you know, he said that he wants to abolish tuition fees. Well, there was a huge number of students and young people who joined the Labour Party and, and uh, voted for him on that uh, basis. So, if the Labour Party actually came out with genuinely popular policies which uh, uh, affected ordinary working-class people and youth, then they would, get, uh, they would get people voting for them. You know, it's, you know this idea that Corbyn is going to make the Labour Party unpopular if, he's, if his policies win through is just uh, nonsense. The Labour Party lost the election. They lost the 2010 election. They got wiped out in Scotland because they were too similar to the Tories. They, there was no, they were indistinguishable. Why should people vote for 
Labour when Labour is saying no difference, nothing different from the Tories. Yeah. Do you think it's going to be a bit of a gamble, though, uh, come 2020? Because this could either, you know, this could either be um, the day, you know, the left in the country died or the day that it actually prospered in some way. I mean, in a way, you know, people are feeling pretty excited of the prospects of Jeremy Corbyn challenging for the general election. But at the same time, you know, if he doesn't achieve what he wants to achieve, it could have detrimental effects, you know, for the next couple of decades. Well, who knows what will happen in uh, 2020? What we're concerned about, what's going to happen now, the cuts are happening now. There's a massive uh, number of cuts be- coming down the line, uh, going to be uh, carried out in uh, April, you know, from the local councils. Uh, there's going to be another 100,000 uh, civil service uh, jobs are going to be lost. Um, the housing situation is getting worse and worse. Uh, tuition fees are being raised. So, uh, uh, you know, ordinary working class people are already being slaughtered by the cuts. What we're about now is saying we need to fight the cuts now. Mm. We need to fight the cuts in the council chambers because there isn't a general, you know, there isn't a general election until 2020. We need to fight the cuts on the ground through uh, strike action, through coordinated strike action. Okay. One last question. Uh, I'm going to be going up the road to the Conservative Party conference. If I meet a Tory activist, I mean, uh, what question would you like me to ask him the most? Well, I don't know. I don't know if we've got very much to say to the Tory party. I mean, the Tory party don't listen to the, the party of the rich. They don't listen to ordinary uh, working class people. I would, what I would say to Well, I'll be asking them questions, so, you know, go ahead. You know, what, if there's something you want me to challenge him on, besides everything you're going to challenge me on, what would be the one thing? Uh, well, I would... Uh, since 2010, there's been £80 billion pounds worth of cuts in the public sector since 2010. At the same time, the bankers in the city have had £80 billion in bonuses. So I would say to them, where's the austerity for the banks, for the bankers and the rich? Why is it just austerity for us? Ken, I appreciate this really great conversation. I wish you well. Catch you later, man. Okay, that was a really intriguing conversation. I'm looking forward to the other side. So let's see who else we can talk to until then. End austerity now. People's Assembly is out in force. How are you doing, everybody? We've got the Royal College of Midwives coming up, and I wonder what they'll have to say. I tell you what, we're going to be talking to the Conservative Party as a unified force. We're talking to everyone here as individual efforts. So, yes, uh, uh, can I switch your name, sorry? Liz, Liz Stubbs. Liz, how's it going? Uh, what's, can I ask you, what's today about for you? I mean, uh, can you sum it up in words what today you hope we're going to achieve today? Well, we're here mainly to uh, oppose the um, trade union bill. Um, we took our first industrial action last year and we think it's important to maintain the right to be able to take action. So what does it mean for midwives, this trade union bill? For midwives... We've always maintained a service whenever we've taken industrial action, but it's important to be able to um, protest against the changes that are going on in the NHS at the moment. Yeah. I mean, uh, I tell you, for you guys to come out here today, I mean, obviously, you're really concerned about what's going on because obviously, you were the, you know, when people, kids are born and you know you're the you're pretty much the first part of their lives pretty much i mean uh, do you think tories uh, even from you know when babies aren't even come out of the womb yet that uh, you know they're already being uh, you know have pressure put on them from the government that's right there's a lot of pressure on maternity services at the moment 
Um, I mean, you, you've met young mothers and everything, and uh, I mean, how do they feel about what's happened in the last five years? And uh, do you see uh, working class mothers really struggling at the moment? There are problems for mothers, but I don't think mothers are as aware of the changes that are going on in the NHS because as professionals we always present ourselves as, um, as the same as usual despite the pressures that are going on behind the scenes. Yeah. What are the misconceptions uh, you get from people that you meet about what's about the trade union bill, about how midwives are feeling at the moment and the pressures that they get? Um, I'm not sure that there's misconceptions. I think there's been a lot of media coverage about how... Um, the NHS workers are paid the terms and conditions and I don't think people really fully understand how those have been eroded over the last few years Do you worry about the future of the NHS in the next five years? Absolutely Where do you think it's going to be in 2020? It's hard to say because I think something has to be done it, it, it has to change something, something um, has to improve in the NHS it's not something that we can say goodbye to it's been such a part of British life mm. since its inception that we can't let it go yeah alright thank you very much Lillian uh, appreciate you appreciate your time really do thank, <laughs> thank you very much big concerns there being raised we're going to talk to some other people as well um, I tell you what the uh, the early birds are out so no doubt the younger people are going to come out a little later on um, some people are still setting up so we're not able to uh, get a talk with them at the moment but we're definitely going to spend a bit of time over here and then after that we're definitely going to go over to the conservative party side of things i think uh, right now it's coming towards 10 o'clock so tell you what we might actually do that now we'll let these guys all set up and get ready for for their day uh, you're listening to the arameta show stick around we'll be right back i'm now in tory town um the conservative party conference i've got to say um, the last time I was here, um, this wasn't as heavily fortified as uh, I thought it was going to be. But now it's, uh, they seem to have gone all out. There's, uh, um, there's uh, like these uh, gates that are outside as well. Whether uh, we're going to be actually allowed into it or not, I'm not too sure. We're going to talk to people outside, though. Hopefully we'll be able to uh, get some uh, opinions of uh, what today means. Mind you, it's, uh, to be honest with you, it is pretty quiet out here, and, and the majority of people that are outside the uh, outside the gates are mainly uh, just people going about their own business, really. Whether we're going to be able to get in some opinions uh, outside of the uh, out of the zone, I'm not too sure. Are you okay? My name is Aaron. I I host a radio show called the Aaron Mezzer Show. You okay. Uh, I really want to ask you, what's your, uh, what's, what's your uh, message out here today? The message here is twofold, actually. One is I'm protesting about the EU. I want to get out the EU. So consequently, it says on my placard, EU, go to hell. Okay. And on the sign... Look, on the oh, I see. Oh, wow. And then the other one is for the farmers, the price of milk. Okay. I used to be in agriculture. Yeah. Okay. Because milk really is getting as cheap as milk, and it's disgraceful. Yeah. I mean, how much? Uh, I mean, yeah. Obviously, I'm. I'm. I always kind of criticise Tories for not knowing what the price of the price of milk well, is. Uh, do you think many Tories know what it is? Milk. I bought half a gallon of milk the other day in Sainsbury's for eighty nine p. Half a gallon. That's four pints. It's crazy. Mm. I mean, I used to be in agriculture. And I know the price of foodstuffs. Uh, farmers are going out of business every day. They're committing suicide over it. And something's got to be done, you know. Milk has got to be 50 pence a pint. It yeah. has to be, to be fair, because this is just not on them. 
I mean, what do you think needs to be done then in regards to, do you think it's basically just the simple solution of we have to pay a bit more for our milk? Yes, indeed, we will. I mean, everybody wants stuff as cheap as they can get it, but at what cost, you know? I mean, it, otherwise we're going to start importing milk from Europe. That'll be the next thing, you know. Mm. Uh, now I think the, the, the farmers, you know, what the, you know, as it says on there, all they ask is a fair day's pay for a fair day's work. Can't argue with that, can you? No, you can't. And, and, and I feel dis- I, I say I've been in agriculture, I've seen my apprenticeship in it. And I feel desperately sorry for them. I mean, I'm, I'm a retired police officer now, but I do feel sorry for them. Yeah. yeah. Let's focus on the EU. I mean, obviously, we're so yeah, focused yeah. I, mean, well. I mean, one thing I would like to ask you about, I mean, we, so we hear about the negative side all the time about the EU, but what about the uh, the positive contributions they're giving, like, uh, you know, donations to uh, to projects that I go on? You know, they've rebuilt parts of North Manchester, the uh, the fact that they help disabled people get back into work through their funding. I mean, uh, you got to admit, there are some oh, good bits of it. Got, no, I'm not saying, I'm not saying there are. I mean, what I like about it is the freedom of movement, of course, hmm. across the EU. Um, but it's costing us a lot, a lot of money, millions of pounds, and I don't know, we're not getting a good deal out of it. Look, we're islanders. We don't mix too well with mainlanders. <laughs> really? No, I don't think so. I mean, uh, you know, uh, as I say there, it's... Um, uh, I can't see it myself that, uh, you know... I don't know, because you, from the way you, yeah. You can trade with your worst enemy, can't you? Yeah, you can. You don't have to go to bed with them. Yeah, you don't think it's like you know. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't say Europe is our worst enemy in, 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 a, in a way, but no, no, um, no, just a net, net exact Yeah, of not. no, no. But I mean, uh, you know, we, we, we can say in 1940 we stood alone. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants to come and join us then. Yeah, we still can. Mm-hmm. In my opinion. Well, eventually America came to came into well, yes, after Pearl Harbor, but yeah, uh, sure. I mean, uh, but in regards to uh, I mean, you, you seem to I seem to get the impression of you that maybe Europe needs a rethink rather than a kind of a cutaway, if, if that makes sense. Well, they just they seem to be a lord unto themselves. I mean, uh, you know, uh, we, we're losing our identity, really. I think, and, and, and par- uh, Parliament, uh, you know, I don't see they can override us the way they're doing you know yeah. it's um it's not right I'm, i don't want to be part of all that let them be all together over there if they like but to us great britain we want to be masters of our own destiny that's yeah. what i think I don't know, but I mean, uh, obviously, you sound really reasonable, though your fashion uh, tells me otherwise. But, <laughs> but uh, I mean, uh, in regards to, um, I mean, people still seem to think that Britain seems to be this like this massive empire. Still, I mean, uh, isn't that a bit too much of a, you know? Uh, I mean, are you on the board of that? I mean, do you sometimes feel that you know maybe Britain's bigger than you know uh, well, it still is? I or? think when I go abroad, you know, people still people still think of uh, Great Britain, you know, as something the union flag um, uh, known all over the world respected all over the world really um, and it's only a small island you know really yeah. but I, I want to I want us all to stay together I want Scotland disappearing uh, I want to be united we stand you know yeah I love my country. I was born here, and I'll be late to rest. Yeah, I know it's your Birmingham. Uh, uh, oh, yes, thing. I'm from Birmingham. You're from Birmingham, yeah. Morning, yeah. yeah. Can I ask? I mean, uh, in regards, obviously, the Conservative Party conference is the uh, reason a lot of people are here today. I mean, um, what? I mean, are you seeing it now? How how you know how fortified it pretty much is? I mean, I'm not sure how many times you've been to uh, Conservative Party conferences. Have you ever seen it this, this security type before? We see this all the time uh, in Birmingham, especially. 
you have a job to get anywhere near the place. This is far better than Birmingham, uh, the way they're policing it, really. Yeah. Very friendly. And, um, you know, well, as close as I can get, but I'm quite happy about that. Yeah. You know? Do you think, though, the, uh, do you think it would be this? Do you think there'd be that, that much security if the, uh, the TUC wasn't turning up today? Oh, yes, there would be. Yeah, there would be. It's, it's all written down, you know, and uh, the, the TUC aren't going to. Uh, aren't going to make any difference really how big the marches you know it's um, I'm not sure I've got police like police on the periphery of course but no I think this is how things are these today you know and unfortunately uh, helicopters in the sky and but I can cope with that <laughs> well Johnny been really great to talk to uh, I hope you have a good day yeah absolutely yeah. catch you man okay so that was uh, that was the uh, thoughts of a uh, of an activist outside. Let's see if we can get a hold of some Tory uh, supporters. See if we can try and get to talk to some people. Um, a lot of helicopters around at the moment. I tell you what, we'll talk to some. We'll talk to some activists anyway, and uh, maybe we'll talk to that other guy who. Uh, my name's Aaron. I host the Aaron Meta Show. Uh, I notice you guys are outside at the moment. So can I ask uh, what what you're doing here? Yeah, it's just uh, regarding the uh, basically fathers for justice in this effect. It's just to get rights for. The fathers, if you just bear with us a second, sure. One of the gents that's uh, just about you'll basically. Hi, mate. You okay? I'm Aaron of the Aaron Meta Show. I noticed you had your sign up before. Uh, what are you? Uh, what are you protesting about? Or I'm not really protesting, protesting about anything in particular. It's really to think about the ecology of this country that we are completely unsustained by our own resources, and um, different groups are saying that we can take more people into this country when we should be sustaining. Um, re- refugees in places, um, w- you know, where they are sufficient in resources like food and water and um, textiles and things like that. Oh, so, so what you're saying, the distribution of refugees should be on an economical basis rather than basically where they end up. Just on a st- sustainability basis, in this country, we import food and other resources. Um, it is just complete idiocy to bring uh, bring more people here to our latitudes. We live in a cold country. You know, it takes more energy to keep somebody warm in a house here than in other places. People are migrating northwards, and it, that makes no ecological sense. People who don't understand these kind of things, politicers in the so-called Green Party, you know, say say it's okay, but it's complete nonsense. Nothing makes sense ecologically in saying more people can come here when we import basic resources. Okay, so if we don't if we don't import them here, if, if they don't come here, then where do they go? There are other countries in Europe that have that um, are more balanced as far as imports and exports. A place like France, that people that are in Turkey, we, the, the government has uh, the. the International governments are woefully um, not fulfilling their obligations in looking after people in the local area. About a third of the money, only a third of the money, I believe, has been given that has been promised to these camps. People are being raped. Education um, provision is not being provided for. Um, People are not being sufficiently fed in these places. Basic human needs aren't being um, catered for. And is it surprising there's a crisis? It's yeah. not. But anyway, you know, this is a this seems, seems to be more a continental uh, move that seems to be going on from these people either in either in Syria or in the north of Africa that are uh, either fleeing persecution or uh, trying to make a better life for themselves. Why is this just a European problem? Why is this not a global issue that uh, some people have been arguing about? 
Well, it should be a well, it should be a problem that's being dealt with at source. You know, there are some atrocious groups, there are some atrocious situations, and this really down for the world community. Here's me talking as just an individual person on the street, you know, with, with, with a placard. But you know, the, the world should be working against these groups that deny, say, women and girls education. You know, it's, it, 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 that push homosexuals off roofs. It is. It, things have got to be dealt with at source yeah so i mean when you say dealt with at source i mean what solutions are you offering in regards to the situation in syria and uh, the situation you're seeing like in sudan or you know places like that at the moment i'm really thinking about the situation in in the uk um primarily where we are importing um goods from other um, countries raising um prices for food and other commodities that we we import um where we have um a huge amount of shipping and trucking which is just wasting fuel um, bringing things over here which is com- complete waste, uh, completely wasted um, and really that's a starting point issue um, you know other politicians defence people can be thinking about other, other issues but you know all I know is we can't just deal with these symptoms of problems problems should be tackled at source yeah. I know that your uh, signs aimed at the Green Party I mean uh, what do you, what's your opinion on you know other parties that have turned up here like the Socialist Workers Party Socialist Party uh, Labour Party uh, other organisations that are going to be here today well my sign is basically saying that we are far from sustaining ourselves and the refugees have to be um, practically and sustainably supported that's the majority of the text that's there um, and yeah I don't think the, the Green Party aren't ecological um, that's one thing I'll put as a side note in there um, because people would think okay they're, they're a part of calling themselves a Green Party maybe they understand these kind of issues they are, are in denial when it comes to issues like population yeah. what's your opinion on the Conservative Party these guys in their, uh, their opinion of taking 20,000 refugees like 4,000 a year um, just keeping it at that limit. UKIP seems to agree with it. I mean, is that something you feel comfortable with? I think more, uh, the, res- uh, the focus should be looking after people who are in places they're sustained. Every single new person that comes into the country, where do we get the, the food and resources from? We would need to re- import the, um, the food and the textiles for each person from somewhere else. Where? Where do we get it from? Um, right now it's China. For what? For, for, well, for food. For a lot of a decade. Well, not necessarily for food, but for decades in regards to uh, textiles, in regards to commodities. Uh, China seems to have been the world's factory for, for you know, since uh, mm. the Communist Party decided, you know, maybe communism wasn't that great, great of an idea anymore. Um, well, uh, there's a variety of places that they actually get the, the, the textiles themselves. But, um, you know, as far as food's concerned, for each person, a new person comes here, we need to get the food from somewhere else. So why bring people here when we need to get the resources from elsewhere when they're travelling to our northern latitudes needing more energy to keep themselves warm? It doesn't make ecological sense. Yeah. Is there a globalised solution to this or is that something you're not comfortable with? Um, there, there can be plenty of globalised... I'm one person on the street talking to you right now. With an important view, so, you know, you're welcome on this show. Well, in, as far as... It, um, a globalised view I think that's really for other people to say what I'm saying right here right now as far as the UK is concerned we, we do more harm than good 
taking new people in when we should be supporting and putting our money um, and our expertise and all our other influence into um, supporting people where they can be sustainably and practically supported. Okay, well, thank you very much for joining me on the show. Thank I hope you, you enjoy much. your day, and uh, yeah, thank you very much. So, uh, tell you what, we were talking to the Fathers of Justice people before. I don't know if uh, their guy has turned up or not. Okay, I was speaking to you guys before. My name's Aaron, I host the Aaron Matters Show. Hope you're doing okay. Um, why are you out here today? Uh, basically, I've seen my daughter for two hours in eight months. Uh, daughter was born premature. Uh, my ex ran away with her from hospital. Jesus Christ. Yeah, so I've uh, been to court three times. Uh, it's been adjourned. I get to see my daughter now next week for the first time in four months. Yeah, uh, got everything planned for her. In? Can't wait. Can't yeah. wait. I I've mean, got to travel to Middlesbrough. Uh, two hours I'm going to get. It's going to cost me uh, X, Y, Z, but I don't care. Walk if we have to. Yeah, you hear about you know these family tribunals, you know these secret courts and everything like that. I mean, uh, how many how many other stories have you heard about you know fathers not being able to see their kids? Hundreds, hundreds. Uh, it's just basically being around we get discriminated against. Yeah. You know, just because we're men doesn't mean that we can't sort of like look after our children. Doesn't mean that we can't be as good as parents of the mothers. But the mothers seem to run away and get everything that they need. Probably a horrible example, but you know, my, my my frustrations with you know watching people like on the Jeremy Carl show, you know, deadbeat dads who don't want to see their kids and stuff like that. Shows like that must have, you must not be able to watch shows like that much. Uh, bricks through tellies, I want to do at times. Yeah. You know, I just want. To, no, it's not right. It hurts like you see. You know. The women try to get the lads involved on Jeremy Cowell, and yet we're fighting to see our kids, and we can't get nothing at all. Yeah, you know it's cost uh, this guy here seventeen thousand pound in legal fees up to now. Seventeen thousand pounds. Where do you get the money from? I take a loan. Uh, take a loan out. Jeez. I, I, I'm, I'm, you know, as a, I say, I, I feel really weird because you know I've never been a father, so you know I can't really say. Anything. I don't feel like I am, mate. Yeah, oh. I don't feel like I'm a father. Oh, maybe I'm not too far from the. Is <laughs> it far from things then? Like sponsors. Yeah, I feel like a sperm donor. That's all I am. Yeah. I was at the, every appointment that my girlfriend was at I was at all the scans I was at the hospital for a week while my baby was in premature then when she got moved to another hospital I was there for another week uh, I was at everything and then you go to pick your daughter up from hospital best time of your life your ex does a running from you Yeah. You know, uh, just because she's scared that you're going to get the baby to coffee because she was violent to you uh, Okay. I want to ask I mean, if you, I mean, if David Cameron came out here and said I want to talk to you what would, be the, what would, be, what would you say to him? Uh, I'd just like to say Fathers need rights. We don't have anything at all. Women can go behind the scenes for three or four months before your baby's born, make up a load of rubbish about you, and nobody actually speaks to you. I found out 20 minutes before my daughter was due out of hospital that I wasn't taking her home that day. That was the first I heard about anything. Mm. And now I've thought about it. It's some, you know, it's, I'm fighting in court and it's starting to unravel now. But it took me eight months to get where I am. Yeah. Were you on the birth certificate? I'm not on the birth certificate. Um, can you, are you legally fighting to get that sorted? Or? Hopefully, but... I've got no rights whatsoever. Wow. Okay, well, thank you very much for talking to me. Uh, I really wish you luck. Uh, look, I uh, hope you get a little teddy bear for your daughter or something like that. So, you know. Lots of mate. Yeah. My house is full ready. Really? Bank account with money in it and stuff like that? Or, uh... I thought I did put a uh, trust fund away. Oh, very good. For and so. Yeah, all the best, yeah, mate. And uh, catch you later, guys. Thank you very much. That was the Fathers of Justice. Um, they've turned up today. I think we'll knock it on the head for now. There are supposed to be some events going on outside. So, uh, well. Yeah, we'll just leave it at that for the moment. I'm back on the other side of the Tory uh, TUC divide. Uh, I'm uh, back in the uh, TUC town side of things. Hi there, okay. I'm Aaron, I host the Aaron Meta Show. Uh, I'm talking to people about the process today. Uh, can I talk to you guys if that's all right? Yeah, what's your name? I'm Celia. Hey, Celia, okay. 
Jasmine. Hey Jasmine, thanks very much for coming on the show. Um, so, I mean, what, talk me through today, what's today about? Um, okay, the Tories won again in May this year. Um, obviously, this was a serious. This is a serious problem. We now have austerity on a scale that we have not had. We have got poverty on a scale that we have not seen in a generation. If this is allowed to continue, we will not have a national health service. The BBC will be broken up. We will have even more homelessness and many more problems as well. And this this cannot continue. We cannot continue until 2020 in this way. So you say 24%. I say you said uh, Tory victory before. I would say 24% was a victory. But uh, you know, in regards to uh, so I mean, obviously public services is the is the massive issue for you. I mean, uh, obviously all the things you hear about the BBC in regards to how it's run, uh, how it's basically behaved. In, in certain ways, shapes, or forms. Even uh, many of the left wing didn't, didn't appreciate the Panorama documentary on uh, Jeremy Corbyn. I mean, uh, I mean, how do you feel about all of that as well, mixed into that? Well, I think what I would say, um, as with regard to that, is that however nice the BBC or any other uh, media outlet is to the Tories, they will not save the BBC. Jeremy Corbyn supports the BBC. Um, yes, I think that I would like to see more balanced journalism. Yes, I'm sure Jeremy Corbyn expects to be asked difficult questions, but I don't think that he expects to be smeared in this way. But I think it's very interesting, really, that it appears to me that mo- almost all of the media, including The Guardian and The Independent, simply don't know what to do with Jeremy Corbyn, a man who most people see as perfectly reasonable. Most people think it's perfectly reasonable to say, no, I would not like to bring nuclear annihilation on, on the planet. Yeah. Not that difficult, really, you'd think. Uh, Jasmine, I want to talk to you. I mean, uh, what, what brought you out here today? Um, yeah, I mean, similar things. Um, it's uh, the fight against austerity. And also you're seeing, you know, people drowning in the Mediterranean, trying to get into this country, escaping war and poverty. And the Tories won't let them in because apparently we don't have enough funds in this country for them. But however, the rich have doubled their earnings since 2009. So I say we do let them in. We do open the borders because we need to... Um, people have the right to safety. They're human beings um, and so, you know, we can't blame austerity is not happening because of immigrants and because of refugees. They're happening because the rich are taking from the poor. So that's why I'm out today, because I'm seeing, you know, I'm seeing people with offshore accounts dodging tax. Um, I'm seeing people somehow managing to keep earning more, like bankers giving themselves massive bonuses each year going up and up. Yet there's people on the streets, there's people starving, there's people drowning in the Mediterranean, yeah. trying to escape the war. I say anyone can be blamed for it. This is the government seems to want to blame everybody for, for austerity. I mean, it's like, uh, you know, we're us, you, me, my dogs, you know, everyone seems to want to get in like that. But uh, in regards to... Uh, uh, I mean, obviously on the refugee crisis, I spoke to a man just before who, on the Tory side of things, not too yeah. surprisingly, who said, you know, that's, uh, the, uh, the, the migration crisis is not sustainable. That's, you know, we have to, uh, you know, we have to do this from a, you know, an ecological standpoint. I mean, uh, for, so that there's actually resources for people, to, for people to come here to, you know, instead of having to uh, rely on basically, you know, scraps in order to basically uh, keep going. Um, yeah, well, that's, uh, that's absolute lies. I mean, like I said, there's the migration 
crisis, first of all, is caused by the fact that the Tories are supporting a war. The Tories want to bomb Syria, um, and so they're going to keep coming. They're going to escape. Because if they- I don't know, Islamic State seems to, uh, you know, I would say, uh, has a hand in uh, a lot of the suffering that's currently going on over there. Well, the, the, the reason that, you know, ISIS have come about is because the bombings have been... The, there's been wars in the Middle East for so long, and it's just people's reaction uh, to the West. Also, the West are selling arms to the Middle East, um, and so people have to flee there or they will die um isis just didn't come up out of nowhere like yeah. it wasn't do, do you, with, uh, you know, iraq was in 2003 and obviously that was done by you know tony blair and uh, the labor administration oh, at the yeah. time i mean uh, do you feel a bit uncomfortable cozying up with the labor party uh, you know even though jeremy corbyn is uh, leader at the moment well yeah i mean the th- labor is um you know new labor obviously not under jeremy corbyn there's not um has done a lot of things that are very right-wing, and I wouldn't say they're a very left-wing party at all, um, is a problem um, that where there's they still um, are trying to suit corporate needs and they're still putting profit before people. Jeremy Corbyn is like seen as radical by a lot of members within the Re- Labour Party because, um, you know, they've gone so far right that he's actually traditional Labour, but they're kind of like, well, he's too radical for the Labour Party, he's too left. But actually, um, he's just about putting people before before profit in a lot of ways. Yeah. You're saying the uh, the Socialist Workers Party uh, stand at the moment. Is, he, is Jeremy Corbyn not radical enough for you for you to switch sides? <laughs> well, um, I think the, the part the reason that uh, we're not joining the Labour Party is because obviously we don't think um, reforms under capitalism um, work, and so we're about we support Jeremy Corbyn and we, we need that discussion needs to be happening in Parliament people need to hear socialist ideas like we need to stop thinking about socialism as some kind of swear word but we do also need to think about the future as um, you know the working class having the power the people at the, at the bottom actually um, have the power have the majority and um, you know we need to get out of this system that puts profit before people that is all about making profit making money and destroying the planet because of that um, as well as you know, people dying everywhere uh, for many different things because there's, there's, there's too much uh, greed, basically, because we're in a system that allows that. Yeah. I mean, people when they use, I mean, obviously socialism is a dirty word. Definitely, when I broadcast the United States, definitely socialism is a dirty word. You know, with, with Bernie Sanders on the rise, maybe that's uh, starting to wane a little bit. But uh, I mean, in regards to, I mean, does, do you think there needs to be a, a mo- you know a, a modernization? Of, uh, of socialism in a way because some people still have in their mind you know when they talk about socialism they talk about you know the far left they talk about you know they think about Karl Marx and Stalin and things like that you know those, those very far to the left do you think there needs to be a change of change of, you know there needs to be a more modern face need to be put on uh, you know socialism in this country well for Stalin's not left first of all we never, never ever associate Stalin with the left but um, well that's their perceptions yeah, not yeah, mine I know, I know. <laughs> but yeah uh, well you, obviously you can't you know you can't have things exactly as they were during times of say the Russian Revolution we do you know the ideas of like Lenin and Trotsky can be adaptable and made into the, and to suit the modern times it's part of the, their whole idea was like uh, that um, we change with the, the movement of the people um, so it's always changing and we're always adapting we're not just going we're not just you know sticking to to how it, how it was when uh, you know sticking to exactly what Marx has said we're, we do adapt it to, to suit today we have to change things to adapt to the way the movement's going um, so yeah definitely we do have to uh, adapt it and keep making it so that we are on board with the, the, the majority um, so, um, well, thank you very much for talking to me. That's great. And, uh, yeah, r- really, I hope you enjoyed today and everything. And, uh, yeah, and I have to say, uh, you're far more talkative than the people up in the Tory conference right now. They, uh, I try and talk to them, they just disobey behind the gate. So uh, that's the end of that.
Yeah, sorry. Oh, you're a writer. Uh, uh, what's your name first? Yeah, oh, sorry, Steve O'Nassar Robinson. Steve O'Nassar Robinson. Yeah. Uh, what do you write? Um, well, I'm writing a book at the moment called Freedom Coming, Slavery Leaving. Okay. Basically, the only book with that title in the world, it will be. Okay. Um, I'm going to expose the control factors as well. Yeah. For the last 35 years, I've been studying things on the ed- edge of society. Yeah. Well, I think most of the stuff that goes on in the society is like chaos, uh, wars, crime, this and the other. But I've got a very good picture of what's going on. Okay, and how far to the edge have you gone? To the edge. To the edge. <laughs> yeah. You go to the extreme. <laughs> you go, no, no, it goes far beyond what, what uh, people's rational content concepts are okay that's all i say at the moment that's all you say at the moment well uh but, but um i'll just give you a poem right? i wrote this uh when i was about 18 years old sure and i actually invented a new poetry style when i was 15 basically i counted all all the letters and the gaps the alliteration with the line made the lines all the same length. So yeah this, this poem is lateral so it goes down the page in a straight line okay Oh, here we go. It's relevant to today. Uh, so, go, go ahead. Prophetic. Uh, it's called Funny Business. The agenda of big business is control. Treasured liberties are at stake today. today. So will you let them reach their goal? Comfortable, low paid, on the dole? It does not matter because we all pay. The agenda of big business is control. Forget Ashes, World Cup, Super Bowl. The most crucial game is now in play. So will you let them reach their goal? Throw any country between the poles to World Bank, IMF, Freemasons, CIA. The agenda of big business is control. A shadow moves over heart and soul. Greedy fingers like Nosferatu's splay. So will you let them reach their goal? Politics, media, GM crops, road tolls. Now the internet sits in their entree. The agenda of big business is control. So will you let them reach their goal? Thank you very much for that poem, and uh, yeah, I hope you enjoyed today, yeah. Well, we have all sorts of people, and i got to tell you, they're far more talkative than what I was dealing with on the other side. So, can we get some more opinions on this? Definitely we will. Um, I want to try and stay away from more of the stands, really. I want to see want to talk to some people. Uh, hopefully we're going to... Um, obviously we talk to the activists who are um, really gearing up for uh, what is going to be uh, a pretty big thing going on. And uh, let's see if we can talk to some other people. Obviously I don't want this to end up being like an echo chamber. One thing I, I want to really know is that how... They're going to be obviously they're gearing up for this protest now, but what is the the future of um, of this movement? What is going to be the what what is going to make this movement going to challenge uh, concepts? What is going to make it is going to challenge for elections? Is going to challenge for is going to basically engage the British people? And is that going to happen today, or are we going to just is this gathering just going to happen? And it's just going to basically fizzle away uh, when it comes to uh, you know the next uh, set of elections. We've got a group of people coming up here. Maybe we can talk to a few. Hi, I'm Aaron Meta, host of the Aaron Meta Show. How are you doing? Can I can I talk to you for a second? If that's all right. What's your name? 
Steffi. Steffi, how are you doing? I'm well, thank you. Yeah, why are you here today? Uh, we've brought down our Labour Society from Bangor University. Oh, uh, cool, Labour Party. Yes. Yeah. And so uh, what's your message today for uh, those lot over there? Well, it's all about workers' rights today and saying that we're not going back to the 1700s with workers' rights and that we all have a right to, to defend our wages and uh, to strike and to protest. Yeah. So, Steffi, how long have you been a member of the Labour Party for? I, was, I joined uh, during the general election. Oh, wow. So you were, uh, you were back in Jeremy Corbyn, no doubt. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, what is it about Jeremy Corbyn now that's uh, put extra life into the Labour Party? I mean, do you see something now that you didn't see in the Labour Party before he was elected leader? Well, the Labour Party's always been about socialism, but we seem to have lost our way before Jeremy Corbyn, and we were going too far to the right for many people's liking, and we've gone back to the left where we should be, sending a strong message about staying on the left. Yeah, but the reason they ended up on the right in the first place was to take on John Major and obviously Tony Blair won that election in 97. Can Jeremy Corbyn really do that in a completely different way? Well, during the last general election, we lost a lot of people to the Greens and to Plaid Cymru, and they, because they were sending out the left message, and that we want to bring those voters back and say we're on your side. How many of voters do you reckon there are? Plenty. Plenty. More than the Tory voters? Yeah, I think that's where we lost the election, was a lot of too many Labour vo- voters had had enough of Labour being too far right and yeah. uh, had gone over to more left-wing parties. And yeah. So hopefully they'll all come back to us. Uh, do you have any sympathy for people like you know Simon Dankhurst, who uh, you know, he's, been, he's been the MP who uh, exposed the, uh, the paedophile scandal uh, that was been going on, and now he's facing challenges from uh, FR, you know, the, the left elements within his party to uh, no longer be that MP. Does that worry you in any way that you know, he's done somewhat some good work yeah, he's obviously of the centre-right of the Labour Party, but, you know, should, you know, out of everything that he's done, shouldn't he really be exonerated for stuff like that? You know, I think where we've got a lovely opportunity now to bring together the Labour Party, we, people are complaining that we might be too fractured now, but there's an opportunity for every group's views to be shared, to be brought together to get the right decision. You know, there's and that includes a vision with Simon Dankhurst in, in view? Uh, absolutely. You know, he's done amazing work and he should stick with the party and follow Jeremy Corbyn now. You well, know. that depends if the activists allow him to do that, because obviously he's somewhat ideologically in a, in a different place that Jeremy Corbyn is in, and uh, he says that's not going to win Labour votes in the, in the long run. But saying that, not every single person is going to gr- agree with everything Jeremy Corbyn says. It's just that we agreed more with Jeremy Corbyn than with anybody else that was standing. Mm. There are some p- policies that Jeremy Corbyn got that some of us are not always going to agree with, and that's what this opportunity is about, bringing those views together to find the right way forward for us as a party. Yeah. Uh, Nigel Farage of UKIP is uh, confident that because uh, Jeremy Corbyn is now leader, the tour, you know, the Labour, what used to be the Labour heartlands uh, are possibly his. I mean, what's your view on, on that? You, you can't go from being a Labour Party member to being a member of UKIP because... Well, Edward and Milton nearly did that. Well, uh, UKIP's way too far right. You know, they're further right than the Tories. So it's, if, you, if you can go from Labour to UKIP, you never understood the Labour message fully even when labor was in the center right uh, center left you you couldn't you can't go to over to ukip from that because it's way way too far to the right you know yeah what's jeremy corbyn's vision of europe supposed to be are you do you think it should be something he should be campaigning for to stay in the eu or do you think he should be campaigning to stay out uh leaving the eu would be the most stupid thing that we could do because the um European countries that are not members of the EU are spending millions and millions of pounds every year to um, just to follow the EU laws, to trade with the EU. So to leave would be stupid. The whole point of leaving the EU is because we're spending too much to be there. 
So what's the point? Well, we pay about £55 million a day, you know, to be a member of this club, which uh, uh, some say don't really benefit us, really. We'd be better off on our own. Well, for us in Wales, we benefit greatly from being a part of the EU. But to leave the EU, we would be like Iceland spending millions just to be friends with the EU. They're spending millions and millions and millions just to keep up with EU law to be able to trade with the EU. So what is the point leaving? We've, we've got an amazing union here where we get to free trade, free movement. To lose that, for, for what? To save a few million pounds? Because you're not going to save all that much. You're not going to save 55 million. Okay. It, was a, it was a shame about Iceland, uh, seeing that they managed to know what, what to actually do with their criminal bankers. So, uh, you know... Maybe we should follow their lead on that one. Maybe we should. Thank you very much, Steffi. Enjoy the day, and uh, thank you very much for talking to me. Uh, well, obviously, you know, people say that the, the 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 you know the TUC after this are going to be far more vocal than uh, than the Tory activists are. I think the Tories, I think, uh, even though they they want to be in Manchester, you know, talk about the Northern powerhouse and everything like that. You know, they're very sheltered at the moment. I think there's probably going to be far more to gain out of talking to all of these people. Uh, really, in regards to uh, in regards to opinions, than there is. I really want to get uh, maybe a fringe. I mean, I've seen there's quite a few fringe opinions around, but uh, I want to see how far how fringe this actually gets. And so, who knows? I'm Aaron. If you, uh, what's your name? Uh, Luke. Luke, nice to meet you. Um, why are you out here today? Well, I'm here to protest against the trade union legislation. Trade union legislation. Yeah. So, I mean, what is it that you don't like about it? Well, it's just going to make it more difficult for workers to protest about their conditions. Things like that, yeah. In what way? Well, it's good. we're going to make it a crime to strike in some instances and things, it seems, yeah. You know, just basically that, really. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm, believe me, I'm not a fan of the sort of the trade union legislation as well, but there's one thing I do agree with that, and that is that uh, why do you think, why shouldn't uh, members, uh, be, uh, over 50% of the members be balloted for the strike in there, and they basically say, okay, if you haven't got over the 50 present a uh, mark to say you know we're going to take a strike you know we expect to i expect the elections to you know as a democrat i expect the elections to do all elections to do that why can't these ones do that as well well a lot of people are disengaged with, like politics anyway just because less than 50 percent if less 50 percent of workers want to do it and things that's fine because yeah, it takes that sort of small group sometimes to make the rest aware yeah so you know workers members of trade unions don't always want to be like sort of political and things yeah yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, I'm not saying within the framework of what the trade union bill says. I mean, like, you know, let's say they, you know, they say, okay, let's put on Facebook, you know, do you want to vote on this? Or you on Twitter, you want to vote on this? Or on online? What's wrong with saying, okay, you've got to get 50% of these people to log into this website and vote for it? Yeah, it's, it's too much to ask because some people are so apathetic and stuff, they just won't do it, yeah. You know, maybe because they're afraid sort of like to annoy their boss or the management or whatever and things, yeah. Like I say, it takes that sort of small proportion, yeah, to sort of uh, make it make make a sort of case for the rest, yeah. It's a bit unfair it needs to be over 50%, yeah. It's, it's a lot to ask, yeah. It's, it's too many people. Okay, Just well... less than 50 sort of don't agree and things doesn't mean that the conditions and some aren't worth sort of protesting about and things, yeah. It's just going to make it re- too difficult, yeah. Isn't that kind of like saying, you know, it's like, oh, well, you know, if all these, uh, if all, you know, in an election for a constituency, all these people vote UKIP, it's like it's going to make everyone else wake up to UKIP policy. It's like it's not necessarily, you know. Yeah. Well, that's, that's what I think, anyway. Okay, then, cool. Yeah. Well, thanks, uh, Luke, for talking to me. Yeah, I appreciate the day, joining the day. Um, so we've uh, talked to them. Uh, I want to know if anyone else is going to start coming down. I'll tell you what, actually, it's interesting. Some people actually come from the Conservative conference to come down here, whether that's. Uh, uh, where they decided they wanted to, uh, you know, have a little walk around uh, them to say that they're here. I'm not too sure, but uh, they seem. I think uh, from what I can see, not everyone really is up for a 
for that much of a confrontation. They're kind of just here to just kind of do uh, um, talk about their own agenda, really, rather than uh, confronting other people with others. I want to talk to this guy. Hi, I'm Aaron Messer of the Aaron Messer Show. Um, I need to. I want to talk to you if that's all right. You know, based on your show. Uh, the Aaron Meta Show, we're an online podcast, uh, we're an online radio show. Uh, you've never kissed a Tory and never will. Uh, you, are you a Tory? Say yes. <laughs> uh, okay, well. What is the answer, really? <laughs> so, uh, what? I'm going to squeak my pig at you. Uh, <laughs> okay, can I ask her, why are you out here today, just may I ask um, For the anti. Um, Law reforms on the TUC mainly. Everybody has a right to strike, right to the rights. I'm sure they've got their right to Heaton, but we've got uh, our rights too. And uh, I don't see why um, the rich should just rule us all the time, impose their will. Yeah. I'm interested. You know, the Tory party say that they're the party of the working man now. I mean, uh, why do you think they get away with that? Well, you control all the media. Um, Rupert Murdoch owns most of it we've hardly got a say so it's hard it's hard to get a word in edgeways otherwise isn't it really yeah. well Jeremy Corbyn at the moment is uh, exercising social media and he's doing very well isn't he yeah he's, well, he's orche- well, one, one important thing that he's doing is orchestrating social media same the way Bernie Sanders is doing in the United States I mean could you say Facebook Twitter these social media platforms could they upset Rupert Murdoch do you think in any way um, well it, it all helps I'm sure yeah uh, I know it's like you're hated by the Daily Mail as well. Uh, <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean, what's your hate's not a nice word, is it? But um, yeah. You know, we should. But um, w- w- when they stop doing the anti-gay propaganda and the anti-immigrant propaganda and hmm. anti-nice people propaganda, perhaps we'll. Uh, be a better world. I tell you what, I mean, uh, I mean, maybe this just a you know broken clock is right twice a day. But I remember reading the Daily Express, and uh, there was a story actually about a uh, disabled woman who had the uh, had the intelligence of a three year old. Me told you she had to turn up to a uh, you know a, a work suitability interview. You know the thing that ATOS has been that's doing. Reality, I mean, isn't it? Yeah. that's that's re- the reality of what's going on. And yeah. I'm surprised the Daily Express actually. Printing a, a story like that. Yeah, but they tell you how bad things are getting. Even the uh, you know, even elements of the right wing media are saying this is wrong. Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. Okay, well, enjoy the day, mate, and thank you very much. No, 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 don't worry. There's a, you know, uh, uh, no. <laughs> well, here I am. Uh, this is the RMS show. We're going to keep. T- I tell you, what, I, d- I don't mean to keep talking. Uh, with one group of people, but uh, you know, at the end of the day, I've gone to the Tory. Just going upstairs to, to Tory Town. No one wants to talk to me except for all the activists outside. Um, I don't know if any UKIP activists are going to turn up today. I don't know if they'll put some pressure on uh, the Conservatives in a, in a way to. Uh, uh, I've already talked to one guy who said, you know, we shouldn't be in the EU anymore. Uh, whether people, other people feel that way is uh, going to be another thing. Maybe if we meet with some more, more vocal people. Um, we're just going back to the Palace Hotel, and uh, one thing I think that we probably would be. Uh, I think everyone they would have told everyone to not probably stay there, even though it's uh, well, it's all a really nice hotel. So uh, uh, I mean, that's the Tory activists I'm talking about there. I mean, I'd be very surprised if the CUC activists decided to uh, say, "Oh, you know, we're not going to turn up to uh, protest. We're going to go to the palace as well for a uh, maybe a you know a five star room and a steak dinner or whatever." That would be uh, that would be strange, but uh, I guess maybe uh, warm hearted upper class maybe people who want to turn up to a protest. Who knows? Uh oh. I think uh, we're going arguing over a missing fleece. I think we'll uh, 
stay away from that. We'll keep walking up the road. We're actually going to see some red balloons. Uh, these are Unite balloons. They're currently coming up at the moment, so I'm going to make sure we can get to talk to some people before, obviously, the big march goes on. Um, there's also a big stage up there as well. I think there's going to be people speaking up there. Are you all right, mate? I'm Aaron of the Aaron Meta Show. Oh, uh, how are you doing? Uh, can I speak to you for a bit about today, if that's all right? Yeah. Yeah. What's your name, mate? Uh, I'm Joe. Joe, nice to meet you. How are you doing? Okay, so why are you out here today? Tell me about that. Um, just to oppose austerity. I think it's a, it's an unfair policy of the um, Tory party, and um, I think it unfairly punishes the most vulnerable in society. So just came in there to sort of add my voice to the opposition, really. Yeah, so how would you deal with the, uh, the deficit that uh, apparently we were supposed to be working off, apparently we haven't? Um... That's a very good question, um, but I think the, the uh, more taxes on um, on businesses would be um, perfectly acceptable uh, because we still have quite low taxation. That's interesting. What type of businesses? Um, well, uh, profit-making businesses. What any business? Well, any any business. Small business? Yes. Really? Yeah. Why, why would it, why, should, why should small business be exempt from? taxation well, I so you would you would have a flat tax uh, so from google to you know like the you know the father and son you know uh, plumbing company um, or everyone will play uh, a flat yeah, tax uh, well i didn't say that did i you said well, no. that well okay well that's what i'm asking you i mean what's what if you're going to tax businesses i mean how would you tax them what would you do well I, i'm not sure um i think that taxes on the most on the most profit-making businesses um as you do with income tax have a sliding scale that would make a lot of sense. Um, I think a good idea would be to end uh, tax credits on a lot of things. Yeah. Um, for example, uh, the film industry, uh, they get a tax rebate on the film industry in this country. I don't think that's right. Um, why should they favour that? Um, so so you, you, you would get rid of the tax rebate for film companies? Yeah, because we have Channel 4 films and BBC films, and they invest in, uh, they invest in films in this country. Um, so if, there's, if they think that it's a profit-making film, I don't see why... They should, the government should be paying back 20% of actors' salaries. Okay, then. Well, uh, my co-host is an actor, so well, uh, <laughs> I'll see what he says about that. But, uh, yeah, but, uh, I mean, in regards so, um, I mean, besides austerity, I mean, is there, I mean, there's a lot of people out here that are out here for all sorts of reasons. And uh, so, I mean, what side of, uh, I mean, I'm just really you sign you on the TUC, TUSC, so you're on the trade union socialist coalition uh, side of things because it's um, 100% anti-austerity and oh okay then so you just saw it so you just picked yeah, it up so I'm actually a member of the Labour Party so. oh are you actually yeah. oh, okay then actually, I want to ask you about that because uh, I mean for many years now we've had a fragmented left we've had the Socialist Workers Party on one side Socialist Party on another we've had the Labour in the middle and somewhat to the right and yeah. I mean how do you take that all together and uh, with Jeremy Corbyn as, uh, as a controversial leader and uh, you know mix that all together and put a, a, a you know, an effective opposition towards the Conservative Party not just out here on the street but in elections um, well I think Jeremy Corbyn's actually a, a good opportunity to unite the, the, the various left parties because hmm. um, you have your Socialist Party and Socialist Workers and I think that after many years of um, Labour leaders that they don't necessarily agree with, I think most of them would agree with Jeremy Corbyn on a range of issues. So it's a good opportunity to bring them back into the fold of the Labour Party. Okay. Um, obviously, there is a problem with um, sort of the, the the right wing of the of the Labour Party, if you will, um, that they don't agree with Jeremy Corbyn on a lot of issues. But I think that. Uh, in time they'll realise that it's very important to be united to win elections like the people on the left of the party did uh, when Tony Blair 
uh, was in charge. Um, they didn't necessarily like everything that he went that he, he brought in, but for the most part they went along with him because he won the election. Um, I think that if everyone unites behind uh, Corbyn, I think that that'll be that's very attainable for the Labour Party. Okay, so you say obviously the right wing, the Labour Party, you know, needs to uh, you know obviously needs to be quiet or you know, he needs to basically needs to focus on the left side of things. And uh, but uh, you know, in regards to that, how do you win back those? Who feel that uh, you know maybe the Labour's too left for them, so they'll go UKIP, or that uh, you know the the, the Labour Party is too left and they're going to go Tory. So I mean, how do you how do you win those voters back who uh, you know that, that Labour lost to these parties? Um, I think a lot of it is, is highlighting the um, the bad things that the conserv- Conservative Party's done in government. Um, for example, the the bedroom tax, uh, other um, other unfair measures on um, on poor, poorer people. Um, so part of it's highlighting the the thing they've done because I don't think they get there's enough publicity around the the cuts that they've made and the effect that these people have had in in sort of mainstream media. Okay. Um, so Jeremy Corbyn needs to be more negative in your in your opinion uh, in regards to maybe not necessarily you know obviously go you know on the attack but uh, you know obviously the kind of gentle steady as we go kind of politics that he's trying to bring in maybe all of it might not be the best best for the future. Um, I think it's a, it's quite good at the moment because um, it. it sets them out from the crowd um, and it draws attention to the party but I think as it goes on politics being politics you do have to attack the other, the opposition's policies as well as putting your own out there not necessarily personal attacks on their politicians but you have to attack their policies definitely yeah. one last question Jeremy Corbyn uh, is he going to be running the general election in 2020? yes I think he is cool thank you very much for joining me on the show mate I really appreciate it have a good day um, we've had more. Say, there's more group of people over here. Uh, one's holding a sign. Tell you what, we actually got some different signs over here. Um, maybe some older people are turning up from us. This is the justice for the Shrewsbury pickets. Hi there, you okay? My name's Aaron. I'm host of the Aaron Meta Show. Uh, I'm asking people about today. Do you mind if I ask you a couple? Uh, I'm from. I do my own radio show online. Uh, I'm with Liberated Syndication, uh, it's an organisation based in the United States. Yeah. Uh, can I ask? Uh, so, what's your name again? Sorry. Um, my name is Mary Harrison. Right. We're the Merseyside Pensioners Association. Oh, cool! How is it going? So it's going very, very well. Yeah. We've got about twenty people here today from our association. That's amazing. So, all, what's all because we have been victims of these Tory austerity policies. Uh-huh. So that's why we're campaigning, and we're also staunch supporters of the National Health Service and Jeremy Corbyn as well, of course. Well, I mean, the best thing that have happened to the Labour Party in 40 <laughs> years. Yeah, I mean, out of the, uh, I mean, obviously he says the best thing after the Labour Party for 40 years. I mean, there are some people who say that he's, uh, you know, more left wing than what Michael Foote was. I mean, uh, can you make comparisons to where the Labour Party is now to where Michael Foote was uh, when he was leader of the party? I think it's, um, I think it's probably more left wing now. And I think that that has appealed to lots of young people. And Jeremy Corbyn has spoken to young people. He recognises the problems that young people today face. My grandchildren are having a harder time today in their early 20s than I had when I was in my 20s. When I was in my 20s, in the 1960s, I had a secure job. I had a university education I didn't have to pay for. I had the prospect of being able to buy my own house. My 22-year-old grandson is working in a zero-hours contract, employment. He's got a degree. It's unlikely he's ever going to get a job. 
where he can use his degree. So young people are looking into an abyss. What's the deg- what degree has he got? His degree is in animation and film. So he owns me loads of that. For, is, is, so, is he, so he's in zero hours contract at the moment. I mean, is he doing anything like? Is that relevant to what he's doing in regards to his degree? Or no, no, no. He's no. working in a bar. Oh, wonderful! And so, uh, I mean, uh, I mean, I, I, I mean, I've been been online. I've seen a lot of uh, independent uh, animators uh, get notoriety online. I mean, is that something he's pursuing at the moment? Or? Yes, he has. He has. He's, he sent out his CV. He's in contact with people in his industry. Um, but it's very difficult, especially he lived in London for a period of time. He had to come back home to Liverpool because he couldn't possibly afford to live in London anymore. Yeah. Um, and, of course, most of the work in that industry tends to be based in London. And one of the reasons he came home was so that he could save some money and also because... Um, the industry tends to be picking up a little bit in Liverpool now. Yeah. But uh, I focus on the NHS. I mean, uh, uh, for the Merseyside pensioners, what are the primary concerns that you have right now? Over the privatisation of the National Health Service. But ever since these privatisation policies have been introduced, and I make no apologies for the Labour Party, they introduced them under Tony Blair, and now the Tories are continuing that privatisation policy. And we find that hospitals are running a deficit. <laughs> when I'm, I worked in the National Health Service for a period of time and it was unheard of for National Health Service hospitals to go into deficit. You, very often I can remember the administrators in hospitals saying to us, oh, you have to buy a piece of furniture or spend some money because we've got money left over we don't know what to do with this and we don't use this we won't get any more next year it's incredible the hospitals are closing down because of the privatisation policies that these Tory governments are doing and now they're putting pressure on doctors junior doctors are going on strike the GPs are under pressure there's so many lies peddled about the National Health Service they're doing everything they can to undermine the National Health Service by saying, when they talk about a seven-day national health service, we've always had a seven-day national health service. And senior doctors have always been available. I say there, was a, there was a thing on Twitter where uh, doctors were tweeting themselves at work because Jeremy, uh, Jeremy Hunt didn't believe they were actually working at the time that they were. So. Is the what? Sorry. They, they, Jeremy Hunt uh, said that uh, he, he didn't believe that doctors were working on weekends and uh, there was a Twitter campaign uh, of, of doctors taking pictures of themselves on the weekend actually working on, in the hospitals. Well, I think, I mean, doctors do work at the weekends, yeah. not GPs. Yeah. But then why should a GP, you don't need a GP at the weekend. There are all sorts of walking centres now, mm. um, people where you can get access to a GP. I mean, the idea of having a seven-day GP service, it's been demonstrated, it's not going to take any pressure off the A&E departments yeah. because people go into A&E departments at the weekends, generally because they are ill. Yeah. They've had a sudden illness. It's not like somebody who's uh, I'll go into the A&E department because, uh, because I've got a head cold. I don't believe that that happens very... might happen occasionally. I don't think it's a regular thing. But people use A&E departments appropriately. And if you need a consultant in an A&E department, they will, you will get one. Yeah. Thank you very much for talking to me. I really do appreciate it. I really enjoy, hope you enjoy the day. Thank you very much. Excuse me, uh, I'm Aaron of the Aaron Meta Show. Uh, can I... 
I'm Aaron of the Aaron Matters Show. Uh, I host a radio show online. Can I talk to you about your sign? What, this one? Yeah. So let me tell you everyone what it is. It's George, Ian Duncan Smith, George Osborne, David Cameron. Why are you killing us? What have we done to, to you? Why do we have to be protected to carry on committing yet more murders? Uh, blood on their hands. Um, I mean, uh, what prompted you to, uh, to make this? Uh, basically because, um, unfortunately, one of my best friends is one of his victims. Well, tell me what happened. Um, he, he's... Um, He'd been, he'd had a heart transplant, um, two kidney transplants, and was uh, basically he d- he didn't want to live anymore. It got to, to they stopped his money. Um, his wife was a sole carer, and uh, he, he just didn't want to. He didn't want to go through it anymore. What was the justification of stopping his money? Uh, because he hadn't made an appointment or he hadn't uh, turned up at, a, at an appointment. They kept sending him appointments for uh, days that they knew. He had told them time and time again, I have my dialysis on this day, this day, this day. You know, I have to go to Papworth on this day. Please send me an appointment for a day when I haven't got any other appointments and he told them which days he would be available and yet they still continued to send him appointments for days that he was either on dialysis or up at Papworth. I'm really sorry for upsetting you actually, yeah, uh, yeah but uh, yeah. I mean, so uh, what do you think are you a big supporter of Jeremy Corbyn and the things that he's trying to do? Uh, mostly on most of it, yes. Where do you disagree on him with? Um... I, ha- I haven't been talking an awful lot, to be honest, um, with people. I mean, I, I'm, I'm up from Cornwall. I don't live up here at all. I, I've I tell you, I've done well to travel all the way up here, yeah. Well, I, I travelled up a few days ago. I'm staying in Staffordshire. Um, but, um, yeah, it's it, it mostly, like I said, most of the things, Trident, I'm not. I'm not too worried about. I'm I'm more concerned with with getting them out, basically. So yeah, you know, at any means necessary, get the yeah. stories out. Yeah. yeah. Yes. So I mean, do you see? I mean, some people are sort of wondering. Jeremy Corbyn right now is still a pretty much a debated leader at the moment. I mean, can you really see him going on to the general election in 2020, putting he, his positions of the future? He, I think he's a good candidate for prime minister. I really do. You can see it. Yeah. Thank you very much for joining me on the show. And I do apologize for making you cry. I mean, it's like, yeah. You know, these, these are real stories we're talking about here. You know, it's like, you know, I don't mean to upset people, but, uh, I mean, it's really important that we get these things out because, uh, you, know, it, you know, these aren't just, you know, a bunch of activists wanting to cause a, cause a ruckus. These are people who are coming together because there's, you know, there's, there's, you know there, there is real concern about some of the stuff that's, that this, uh, the Conservative government is currently doing. And so it's going to be interesting... To see what uh, I mean, obviously we're coming here and um, you know, being being part of the anti, you know, obviously talking with these people. But it's, uh, I mean, I really want to hear what the Conservative Party have to say about you know some of the stuff that's currently going on here. Right now, I can't get a word.
Really about, yeah, right. I'm Aaron. I host a radio show called The Aaron Matter Show online. Uh, right. Can I talk to you about? Yeah, course, yeah. yeah. So, what, what's your name, mate? Uh, my name's John. Hey, John, you're all right. I'm fine. I'm fine. Yeah. And you're part of the Manchester Trade Union Council. Part of the Manchester Trade Union. That is correct. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Tell me what you do. What do we do? We generally go around trying to encourage people across the city to join trade unions because it's important that people have an organisation that backs them in the workplace and uh, it's a well known fact that people who are trade union members get better rates of pay, get better terms and conditions than if you're not a union member and uh, Manchester is the birthplace of the trade union movement and we want to make sure that we try and get everybody who's working and who's not working to join a union. Does it disappoint you that not many people are members of unions anymore? No, that isn't true. No, I mean the, the, there are there are still large numbers of members in this country, six and a half million. Yeah, but not as much as like there was like back in the eighties and the seventies. No, 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 that's true. That's true. But it, that is beginning to change. More and more young people are now beginning to realise the, the importance role that unions play in workplaces and in society in general. And you know they're taking up that challenge and, and are coming into the union movement. What do you think of the Conservative Party wants to form their own trade union? Uh, <laughs> a bit delusionary. They've been there before. They. Uh, they actually got involved in supporting way back in the, during the miners' strike. They set up an alternative union, the UDM, which is now bust. Uh, they, they've tried it on a number number of occasions, and it doesn't work. And people can see through it very, very quickly. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for uh, talking to me. Uh, good luck for today. And uh, there is a lot of noise now being drummed up by. Oh, I think we might have just seen the Communist Party. Uh, I don't know if that's the noise that they're developing or. I think we can definitely have a look and see what's going on here. This looks like an Asian community that's uh, coming out in force. Hear the drums. Seat community, a lot of people trying to turn up. Oh, I think we've got a, another group of people here, mind you. We're gonna probably wait for the drums to stop before we can talk to them.
right, ladies, I do apologize. My name's Aaron Meta. I host a radio show online called The Aaron Meta Show. Can I talk to you girls about today? Is that all right? Yeah. That was great, thank you. What's your name? Martha. Martha, nice to meet you. Uh, Bex. Bex, nice to meet you as well. Why are you here today? Um, I'm here really to use my voice and join the many, many people who are here um, who are fighting out against austerity. Yeah. Do you feel like your voice is lost in sometimes in politics? Uh, I feel like a change might be coming. Um, I think using using your voice is, is an integral part of being a citizen. Yeah. So, well, I mean, what I mean, is Jeremy Corbyn the reason you know, that's uh, made you want to come out here today or made you want to get in, further into politics? Or? Not the sole reason, but he is very inspiring. Um, I find that he speaks a lot to the issues that I care a lot about um, and he's certainly a motivating factor, yes. Yeah. Um, I noticed uh, you're, you're holding a no cut sign. I mean, uh, so you oppose every single cut that's currently being made. Um, yeah, I oppose a, a lot of the cuts that have been made. Um, obviously, we, we need to um, fight the deficit, but um, I don't believe that's by cutting public services. Yeah. I mean, I know, uh, I've seen some of the austerity examples and some of them are pretty ludicrous, but in regards to, you know, if you could say, you know, save a little bit of money there, save a little bit of money there, is there any harm in that in your opinion? Um, I think if you look at um, the evidence and a lot of the stories about the cuts, um, there is a lot of harm in it. And actually, there's a much better way, um, and that's why we're out here today, to use our voice to say that we think there's a better way than austerity. Have either any of you been affected personally by austerity? I, I probably have, because um, I think it's affecting all of us in different ways. Um, I don't have a concrete example that I can latch onto now. Um, I'm not myself on benefits at the moment. Um, having said that, I, I am a user of the NHS. So, of course, yes, I have been affected. Yeah. Do you feel, I mean, have you, you've been, you say you've been in the NHS recently. I mean, have you seen examples where you feel like money hasn't been put into certain places that it should have been? I think that the nurses and the doctors on the wards do an incredible job. I do also think that they're incredibly stretched. Um, and I think that's an ideology which is coming down from the Tory government. Yeah, it's a top-down reorganisation that's, uh, yeah, that's, that's happened because of that. I uh, wouldn't say that's the only cause. Um, but I think we're seeing more and more attacks to our NHS system and I believe it's got to be protected. Yeah. Uh, Bess, what are you hoping is going to be achieved today? I mean, what's the, what's the, what do you hope after all of this? Uh, what do you think hope is going to be the after-effect of, uh, of what this protest is going to be about today? Um, I think it's probably twofold for me. I mean... Perhaps it's idealistic, but I really hope that um, obviously the Conservative Party, as our party in government, will listen to the people who are on the streets and will actually, um, this will affect their future policy making. Um, but also as well, I hope that other people will see that we're out on the streets and that people who are being grossly affected by austerity cuts will know that they're not alone and will know that someone's speaking out for them, even if they're not able to be here themselves. Yeah, I'll tell you what, I might be going back up. To, uh, you can join us if you want. Uh, my name's Aaron, host the Aaron Matters Show. Uh, how are you doing? So you got all these. Oh, I'll tell you what. Uh, don't worry about it, it's perfectly fine. Uh, yeah, what's your name, sorry? Uh, Cara. Cara, how are you doing, Cara? Uh, good, thanks, how yeah. are you? And uh, why are you out here today? Um, there's many reasons to be out here today. Yes. What's your primary one? I don't have a primary one. I think all of the things that are happening is like a hit on everybody, and I don't think they can really single out any particular cause, because everyone's part of this. Yeah. Everyone should be part of this, which is, isn't what we're seeing at the moment. There's less and less people being a part of this. 
is why we're not even going to be able to see David Cameron's face today because they have snipers and police, probably more police lining the streets than they had in, Lo- in the London protest. Yeah. Cool. I don't know why he can't show his face to his, co- his country. That probably. To be fair, I got to the front door of the Conservative conference and that's as far as I got. No Tory wanted to talk to me for, for whatever reason. I have no idea. I thought they probably ought to be as vocal as everyone else out here today, but obviously that's not the case. I mean, um, in regards to you know this, uh, obviously this protest is going to get loud. It's going to get it's going to get emotional at times. It's going to uh, it's going to do a lot of things. But what do you hope it's going to do in the long run? Well, I think it will hopefully set a message that everyone is in it together, and that there are a lot of people think, that think these things, and that you can talk, that it should be sp- um, talked about. Mainly, I'd say, and because a lot of people, I don't think they really, I don't think they really are aware of what, or conscious, or really have the apathy to what is going on. But when they, hopefully, if they see this many people out of the streets from all over the nation, and probably other countries as well, where I think is, yeah, hopefully that was just, just the message, just the message that there's this many people and the solidarity. Yeah. yeah. I just saw Billy Bragg just before on the stage strumming his guitar. I mean, are you looking forward to being serenaded at some point? <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> Carla, thank you very much. For, uh, I would shake your hand again, obviously, with the splinters and everything, but thank you very much for being on the show. Um, oh, this is interesting. Hi, my name's Aaron. I host the Aaron Meta Show. Can I talk to you for a moment, if that's all right? Yeah, yeah. what's your name? Kenzie. Kenzie, are you all right? Hey Kenzie, yeah, no, no, and you're uh, Georgie. Georgie, all right. Uh, tell me, why are you out here today? Because um, we are protesting against austerity. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Dressed as foxes. Pardon? Dressed as foxes. Yeah, um, because we're yeah, we're Corbyn foxes basically, <laughs> and uh, you know it goes with our puns on our bat posters. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, how much of the imagination has Jeremy Corbyn created? I mean, uh, before, you see a lot of young people really care more about, you know, what happened on X Factor last night or what happened there. I mean, how much now has that changed to saying, you know, hey, Jeremy Corbyn, we've got to pay attention to this guy? I think because he's very relatable to young people, like he's saying what they want and um, he's he's just being very inclusive and he thinks that young people are the key so he's also directing his message to young people rather than what most um, politicians do they just say just not really direct to young people at all really I'd say young people have definitely been let down by politicians in the past and he's kind of saying that we need to focus on young people more and you know yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, how many of your friends now are probably more politically engaged than they were before, before Jeremy Corbyn hit the scene? Uh, well, not many of our friends are really that politically engaged. Like, they care about some issues, but they don't necessarily relate that to politics. Yeah. So, yeah. I think quite a lot of young don't feel like it's their problem, like yeah. it's not going to make a difference to their lives, but we just need to definitely have more education for politics and make the youth do you think it's a situation that uh, they have to be pushed before you have to be you know uh, they have to push before they before they jump or uh, I mean, sorry do you think it has to be a situation where unfortunately they have to be pushed before they jump yeah yeah sort of but i think that people should just get involved because it does affect other people and like not necessarily if it affects them they should just feel obliged to get involved because it's like the human race you yeah. should care basically well thank you very much for talking to me guys thank you very much hope you uh, hope you all enjoyed today and uh, yeah uh, I, I do an online radio show uh, on like on iTunes and Mixcloud and uh, and uh, yeah I'm with a so uh, I do I do all my own stuff really I'm not on a radio station no more so uh, it's great thank you very much it is fantastic to see 
a, a variety of people. And to be honest with you, I think this variety of people is going to be probably uh, a lot more cosmopolitan than probably what we're going to get if we go back down to uh, the Tory side of the divide. It's going under a t- I tell you, one thing that's currently happening at the moment is that there's, there's, a, there's an Asian group currently doing a drumming, a uh, bit of drumming, that's playing some music, and uh, we would talk to uh, some other people on the other side, but it's getting a bit noisy at the moment, so... Uh, a couple of processes currently on the side, maybe we'll talk to some more people. Getting pretty noisy. I oh, don't worry about it. It's fine. Uh, yeah, it's got uh, bounced to one side. Tell you what, I've seen somebody with a uh, Palestinian flag. I'm going to see if we can talk some Middle East politics just for a second. Hi there. Uh, my name's Aaron. I host a radio show uh, called the Aaron Metis Show. Uh, as someone with autism, I definitely relate to your sign. Uh, so, so, can I ask what your name is? Um, Julie. Julie, how are you doing, Julie? I'm okay, thanks. Yeah. Why are you out here today? Um, because all my services have been cut and um, I'm in danger of losing my home again because of the bedroom tax. Because again? Yeah, I've already been homeless. What happened the first time? Um, I was um, privately renting and um, the area around me was benefit capped for housing benefits, so I'd become ill and couldn't... Um, work anymore and then they capped the benefits in the area I lived in um, they wouldn't pay my rent so I became homeless because there was no housing so I became homeless for a year So what did you do? Um, well they, they just used to put us in B&Bs um, and pubs without water or access to food <laughs> for a year. And disability requirements? And then, host- and then I was in a hostel for six months after that so oh, Housed. But then I'm, my son's just left for university now, so I'm back in in that with that problem. Oh, cool. So, so uh, I mean, uh, so I mean, are you you're really worried about the future at the moment because obviously you don't know where you're going to end up now. Yeah, I'm really worried about it. Yeah. And I've not had any money for a year. I really. Just had an overdraft because the banks charged me and then. Oh, great. So, uh, I mean, have you? It's kind of stuck. Have you talked to anybody about your financial problems or? Uh... Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, but um, and I've spoken to the bank about them, but they 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 keep you charged, and then they say you can have an ordinary bank account, but they don't clear your charges, and so I'm in a continual charging situation. So how do they expect you to pay the money back? Um, they they don't. They just keep charging. They expect you not to, and they and when you ask when you tell them it's about your benefits that they're taking from your actual benefit, and you have very little money anyway. They say as soon as it enters the bank, it's not classed as benefit anymore. But um, and cab, when you go to cab, cab are no longer funded to advise you on these certain things. So you can't, you can't, you're stuck. Wow. Yeah. Well, uh, I'm really sorry to hear about your situation, but obviously, you know, today obviously there's many issues. I heard you go. You see, you got your Palestinian flag as well. <laughs> uh, what's that for? Um, for 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 um the um occupation of Palestine. I support the I support um the Palestinian movement and um against the occupation of Palestine. Yeah. What's your opinion of Benjamin Netanyahu at the moment, the Israeli Prime Minister? He recently stood still for 45 seconds in the UN General Assembly to uh, point out the fact that uh, not many people are pointing out the uh, situation with Israel rather than uh, the situation going on with Palestine. I mean, what's your opinion of him? He's, a, he's an evil war criminal. I think, I think actually the Israeli government are quite sick. I think they're quite ill. Um, I, we, um, I go to a lot of talks um, 
I went to a talk with a woman called Ruth the other week and she works as um, about housing in Israel and Palestine she's an Israeli Jew, Jew against what's going on and she explains she lives over there and she explains that the country is quite ill about the racism in it and the apartheid system in it and they're also propagandized like we are over well, it's not just with the Palestinians with the Ethiopian Jews and uh, various other I mean, uh, uh, societies project on the Ethiopian do you mean that was insane that's yeah no they're sick and um, she she explains it as that they're sick they're, they're ill they're, 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 the trauma that's been caused to them over the years has made them quite sick and stuff and, and she because she um, we went to an event and they were they were kind of talking saying you know there are a lot of Jewish people in Israel that do not support Netanyahu and, and some of the laws that he's trying to change now even his foreign office minister has come out against him and said yeah. that they're wrong because he said that Israel is only for Jewish people for one one people so yeah. And it's apartheid, and we fought apartheid, and why we're being silenced yeah. against this apartheid when we fought it before in South Africa and supported, you know, it just. Yeah. I say, well, thank you very much for talking to me, and uh, thanks for the whole issue, and uh, hope you have a good day and everything. Cool. Thank you very much. You know, disabled people. You know, I'm really happy that I actually met someone like that today. And uh, tell you what, I think we have. Uh, there is a family over here as well, which I'd also like to speak with. Hi there, you okay, mate? I'm Aaron. I host a radio show called The Aaron Meta Show. Uh, can I talk to you guys if that's all right? Uh, yeah, because uh, what's your name, sir? Uh, Ian. Ian, how are you doing, Ian? Good, yeah, good. Yeah. I can ask you, why are you out here today? Uh, well, I've been disgusted at what the Conservative government have done since I've got into power when they're, when they're with the Lib Dems and now, and um, support the idea of putting a forward an, auster- uh, an alternative to austerity, which is you know, the only thing that the Tories are putting forward as a solution to all the problems in the country. Yeah. So is this just that alone that uh, brought you out here, or is something uh, is something trigger in your mind that something needed to change? Um, no, it wasn't. It wasn't any one event that, that triggered triggered that in my mind. To be honest, it's the experience of growing up and, and living in a Britain where um, you see equality, inequality everywhere. Um, you see, the, you know, the rich getting richer and the poor getting poorer, and, and the desire to, you know, to, to be out on the streets, making it clear that uh, that, that I think that something else is possible so, you know something better is possible than that yeah it's a family event for you today is it yeah that's it yeah always always a family event with us yeah. how are you doing yeah. so uh, i mean jeremy corbyn's obviously going to be speaking natalie bennett's obviously going to be speaking uh, billy bragg's going to string his, his guitar i mean uh, uh of everyone who's going to speak today who do you hope's gonna you know uh, you know bring this all to uh i mean who's basically going to inspire the most out of everyone who's going to speak today um, um, I'm not sure. I mean, what, what, I'd, what I'd, one thing that I'd be looking for um, with the trade union speakers um, is, you know, a, a, a clear and uh, to make it clear that they are willing to to you know have a united fight against the government. Um, you know, looking looking at something like a you know a one day national general strike um, against the austerity tax, against the anti trade union laws. I think the power of the trade unions is something that's that they've not wielded um, strongly enough against this government. And I think that that's that, that's something that would that would make a big difference, uh, make a big yeah. dent. In the but government. are you surprised that they would even uh, decide to take on the unions, given the fact that they're not as big as they were back in the 1980s, back in the 1970s? You know, before then they were a pain in the Margaret Thatcher side. Nowadays. I mean, you know, you ask someone who's a member of a trade union, you kind of barely get a show of hands. 
That's true, but but they're, but they're still they're still de- democratic organisations, and I think the Tories are still aware that they couldn't be turned into um, you know mil- more militant organisations that they were in the past, and they can increase their membership because of the the structures are in place to do that. And so it, you know it might take five years, ten years before they get before we see a whole wave of um, of, of militant, if you like, um, left trade union leaders. But if that was the case, then obviously that's something that the Tories would be very afraid of, and I think they're, they're wanting to cut into the trade union's power before it gets to the situation where, where you, you know, you've got a more uh, militant trade union yeah. I, I, anti-trade union laws as well because I used to be um, very heavily involved in the trade union movement and the fights and the struggles that you had as a trade and it still goes on now um, you know, I, I, I know a colleague who basically by his own union because of the right wing within the union have been have their branch has been closed down. They are not allowed to, to um, obviously have their time to represent their members. And you've got to let's not forget that not everyone in this country is politicised, is is politically active, active, or is politically educated. And you've got to remember that those people are still going through those those struggles, and also they don't feel that they have a voice. Let's give them a voice rather than it being the same people speaking for the rights of themselves the 1%. It needs to be the 99%. It needs to be somebody who actually truly represents the masses. I think, I think the, uh, the hard thing about getting people involved in politics is that there seems to be this uh, uh, idea that you have to be a political scientist in order to understand what's going on, which obviously you don't, but you know, do you think there's that barrier of, of the unknown that you have to break down before you start uh, you know, engaging people into politics? I think it's about having the discussions. It's about talking about the things. A lot of people think that, oh, if you talk about politics I don't want to be involved in it but to be honest every day every sort of every everybody's lives are affected by politics you know you could have somebody who has to work you know 30 50 hours a week just to survive and that is a political issue why do we have to work such long hours why haven't our wages increased in such a long time why is it that that the media are pitting private sector against public sector why is it that the trade unions are not doing more for its members I used to be involved in a, in a very, like, one of the country's biggest unions. And I felt every year that I went to the union conference that it was the same people always dictating what the members do. And I feel that if you are part of a union, you need to listen to the membership. What you need to do is get rid of those people that are there for themselves and have people standing for the rights of the workers, right, for the members. And I do believe that... Um, you know, with the with the current Labour leadership election, that okay, I'm yet to see what Jeremy Corbyn has to offer. But the fact that when he presented the Prime Minister's question, he asked questions from people, from the people of this country, not what what another MP or another what people think the the, the questions need to be asked. Yeah. But I guess some people would say that you know, I don't know if you ever listened to LBC, the uh, the the sort radio host show, uh, station out of uh, out of London. I mean, uh, they already have like uh, uh, you know where you can call politicians and ask them questions and things like that. I mean, isn't that kind of like bringing bring prime ministers' questions kind of like more like a radio phone in rather than basically being you know an opposition questioning a government holding them to account? 
I believe that the government needs to actually listen to our voices, listen to our pleas. The fact that so many people come out to these rallies and demonstrations, that sends a message. But unfortunately for the country, the government and its leaders, i.e. Cameron, they're not bothered about it. It doesn't affect them. Like, they're putting through a bill to cut tax credits. Would Cameron starve his own children? Of course he wouldn't. But he's quite prepared to starve mine, to starve thousands upon millions of other people's. How many thousands of people's families have to go to food banks because they cannot afford to feed their children? Why aren't they addressing those issues? In the sixth largest nation in the world. Exactly. I'm sorry, but you cannot say that we have to make austerity cuts to make our country richer. That doesn't work. That That is an unacceptable position to put forward. And the, the, the question of why people don't vote, How, there were 15, is it um, 15 point something million people that didn't vote. Yeah. That's disgraceful. Why? Because there's nobody there that's actually representing the people. If you had someone there that says, look, I'm not here for myself, I'll take the, a worker's wage, I'll be, you know, basically, I will represent you because your voices are the ones that need to be heard, you would get so much further. You would. Unfortunately, the right wing um, it has a hold on the press, so they will demonise anyone that has those yeah. ideas. And it is about having numbers, having those people to come collectively, united together. They might not all get on. I know that I might not get on with somebody else, but we all have the same goal. We all share the same ideology. Yeah. So, you know what? For the sake of bringing forth a fairer Britain, why don't we just put our differences aside and let's fight together and that's what needs to happen that's amazing i have to say um can i just ask me always one of your kids is holding a sign saying tories stole my future do you fear the future of your kids at the moment yeah i do definitely the fact of the way that education is being privatized and for profit and the fact i'm, I'm by the way i'm a music teacher and so i oh well that's amazing how much, how much pressure teachers are put on under to get results it's not about the enjoyment of the job i asked somebody about what what was it that, that put you into teaching or what, what was it that made you want to become a teacher and they said being able to help children to grow and become independent learners but you can say that slogan but if we're not actually helping our children become really useful citizens of the world then what is the point why are we going to test them into oblivion to make them actually hate school yeah. i wasn't academic i was well i've argued this for a long time i mean we seem to be the one thing we seem to be very good in this country is making professional test takers we're not very good at making people and so you know so we and we also give them the, no ability to even find themselves find out who they are so it's like you know i totally respect everything that you've just said just now so uh, yeah thank you very much for coming on the show i really do appreciate it thank you very much um it's getting rather crowded <laughs> Uh, right now and uh, you can probably tell while we were talking it's getting a lot noisier as well that's okay um, I know you're a legal observer um, uh, so what's your name sorry uh, Martin Martin how you doing Martin I'm doing well thank yeah. you what's your uh, position today and uh, what you're doing um, it's to make sure that everyone we see uh, has legal representation um, to make sure that the police act within the Europe- European Convention uh, aka everyone's uh, entitled to uh, freedom of protest uh, to make sure nothing goes on toward really and if, if anyone is arrested we will 
uh, we will document what happens and we will get those people solicitors. Cool. So, uh, how, I mean, how often do you see people being arrested at events like this? I mean, how? I mean, right now it seems to be pretty calm. It seems to be pretty, you know, on the on the way, and no one seems to want to have to come having a fight with the Tories at the moment. So, I mean, uh, how how feel, how much do you feel that this is going to be passed along peacefully and no events are going to happen? It, it, it's purely precautionary. Um, it's purely to be on the safe side. Personally, I hope it's a big, happy family day and we all protest against the Tories like we should do. That's the most important thing. There might be elements here, who knows, but as far as I'm concerned, it should be a big, happy family day. Thanks yeah. a lot. No problem. Thanks, Martin. Hey, guys, you OK? Um, I'm Aaron. I host a radio show called The Aaron Matters Show. Can I talk to you guys about today, if that's all right? Yeah, go on, There we go. Uh, I noticed you're carrying a... Sorry, introductions first. Yeah, your name is... Sarah. Sarah, you all right? You're... Matthew. Matthew, you all right? You're... Finn. Guys, thank you very much for being on the show. You are carrying a sign saying, don't bomb Syria. Why? Because it's not going to help. That's not the way to solve anything. You have to be kind and considerate of people. Yeah. Well, even in the Islamic State. Yeah, of course. <laughs> uh, but, uh, I mean, uh, obviously with uh, what's going on in regards to uh, the situation in Syria and also situations around the world, I mean, uh, um, whereabouts, do, where, 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 what do you think? the government should do in regards to uh, helping people out in regards to uh, uh, you know them suffering under these these regimes and, uh, and things like that um, I think they need to firstly take in as many people as they can that's the first like port of call and the second thing would be to actually talk to people about what they need because the problem is that we're not like bombing them isn't going to help because by bombing Ooh. And uh, I appreciate that one. <laughs> by bombing the country, that's bombing like the people. Do you know? What I mean, it's not just bombing the Islamic State. We can't just get rid of that by violence. It's not going to work. No, uh, I know. It's, yeah. Sorry, go on. As well with that, honestly, we need to start following international law if we're going to complain when other people don't. Like we can't bomb. Like we started bombing Syria when a parliament disagreed with it. Like we can't say oh no we disagree with what they're doing and then completely go against it that's ridiculous yeah. hypocritical i know you're wearing a young greens t-shirt so you're a member of the green party yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah um what do you think of the the rise of jeremy corbyn i mean I, I thoroughly support it i think corbyn's a great guy he's got a lot of great policies essentially your party's expense um in the long run no um i've i've said this quite a lot i honestly think there's probably about as much difference between Jeremy Corbyn and the Green Party as there was between Labour and the Conservatives in the last election. So that'll be... And I feel like Corbyn has got a lot of opposition from within his own party, which is going to be a struggle over the next sort of five years. Definitely he's got a lot of Blairites still left in his party um, in prominent positions and they've got a lot of allies. It's I think it's going to be a struggle for him, as much as I support him. It is going to be a struggle for him to like form a cohesive like, set of policies and get into government. Yeah. Is that something you sympathise with him with? Because obviously Caroline Lucas ended up having to protest against her own council in order to get her way on things. I mean, it's uh, is, that some, is that a situation you can uh, sympathise with with Labour Party supporters? Yeah, definitely. I think well, it's, it's always going to be a bit of a struggle with him because he's just got a different opinion to the established order, basically. But I feel like the he has a huge amount of public support like 50,000 people joined the Labour Party within three days was it I think of him being elected how many people how many thousands of people signed up to vote for him he clearly has a lot of support from the people 
and I think that's the that's the main thing. With well, that's what it that's the main thing that should be in a democracy. Surely, it shouldn't be about the MPs and the party or whatever. It should be the people who, if people are voting for you on your policies, then yeah. I was going to say in regards to, I mean, obviously you're all unified here at the moment, but when it comes to when it really counts, which is going to be the elections, I mean, how are the Labour and the Green Party going to coexist with one another? I mean, if uh, one isn't going to bow out to the other. In regards to uh, you know making sure that the Tories don't you know gain a seat, I mean, how's that going to work? Um, honestly, not entirely sure. I think it'll be again see how it is. It might be they form some sort of pre-election coalition or agreement, depending on policies. Um, they did it in '97, though, didn't they? With like the Liberals Lib and Labour, yeah, and Labour did it with the Liberals in like the twenties. Um, as well, it's a it's a definite possibility. Obviously, not my call, but um, I think a, a lot of people made a big fuss out of SNP and Green, meaning Labour lost the election, which is just not true. It was if every person who voted Green voted Labour, um, which they wouldn't have um, as their second choice anyway, uh, it would have been seventeen more seats for Labour, which wouldn't have won them the election. Yeah. Like, it's just not true, I think, is the issue. Um, I think left parties can definitely work cohesively together. I, and I definitely, I would definitely welcome it. And from what I've heard, the Green Party leaders would definitely welcome it as well. Yeah. Um, can I ask you, your thing seems to be trident at the moment, according to your sticker. So, uh, I mean, how do you feel about uh, the fact that you know, there we have this £100 billion nuclear deterrent and it uh, looks like we're going to be renewing it? Well... Initially, it might have had some kind of logic in a post-World War II world and all that. But these days, if it came down to it, no one would actually press the button because it's, well, mutually assured destruction. It's just $100 billion down the drain. And we've got such a tight alliance with America anyway these days. There's really no point in us holding on to these massively expensive nuclear weapons when we've got allies. <laughs> yeah. I think the thing with that is as well, at the end of the day you're making a weapon to try and kill as many civilians as you can because that's all yeah. nuclear weapons are built for really killing as many people as possible like, they're not strategic it's just not, yeah, mass it's just mass killing of as many people as physically possible which well the argument for the last time nuclear weapons was used it's uh, ended the it forced Japan, Japan's surrender in World War 2 I mean is that something you believe or Japan probably would have surrendered anyway in the upcoming months because it was clear they're on the losing side. They were going to lose. It was just used to speed up the end of the war. And it was more of a power play with Russia. To be fair, that's that's, that's <laughs> more of the issue. Yeah, pretty much. They just wanted to try out their weapon. Really, is is how I see it. I don't think there's ever a defendable use of nuclear weapons, or I can't ever think of a defendable use of a nuclear weapon. Well, guys, thank you very much for coming on the show. I really do appreciate it. I hope you enjoyed the day. And uh, we are now going to try and see if we can try and do it. Before, we went up to the Conservative Party conference. Not one Tory would talk to us. So we're going to go... Yeah, there's a shock. So we're going to go up there and see if anyone will talk to us now. And if not, maybe maybe UKIP will probably be there making a nuisance of themselves. I don't know. OK, and listening to the Arameta Show. We are going on the other side of the divide. Stick around. We'll be right back. We are back on the Conservative side of the divide. Um... Still pretty quiet at the moment. Not much happening. Some people go um, giving out. Uh, I say you're a part of Kids Count. Uh, what's that? Uh, sorry, what's your name again? Sorry, uh, Freddie. Hey, Freddie. All right. Yeah, Kids Count. Uh, what's what's that about? Uh, it's like a youth leg uh, organisation which helps bring to light some uh, problems that we have happening with the youth. 
So that could be like a domestic uh, violence and relationships with uh, youth and knife problems and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, any conservative activists stopped to talk to you? Or? Uh, no. No. Surprised or? Uh, we've only been here about ten minutes. So. Oh, okay. Then cool. I came, I came down here before and I was trying to get people to talk to me and yeah, I nobody was happening. But actually, those TUC people over there—they're they're very talkative, apparently. So uh, yeah. Uh, that was great. So, uh, I mean, do you see firsthand what young people go through in regards to the problems that you see? Or? Uh, yeah, I guess that's sort of why I joined Kids Count, because I can not relate to these problems, but I can understand where they're coming from and see the sort of people that have affected them. Mm. So, like, for instance, I've got a friend and her boyfriend used to hit her, but she didn't tell anyone until they broke up. Really? So it's sort of like an ongoing problem with her, but she kept it quiet, so nothing could be done about it. Uh. So it's terrible that I mean uh, is, is there a long way to go in regards to uh, you know domestic violence cases and things like that and on top of that are they getting younger as well yeah I, I think the main problem is the it's not really publicised enough like things like knife crime is obviously really bad that'll get a lot more publicity than domestic violence might and so say if we um, give like classes in schools about how a healthy relationship should work and how to prevent domestic violence yeah. then it will help reduce it a lot more yeah. In regards to knife crime, I mean, I remember, you know, before, you know, this city used to have the representation of Gunchester, and, uh, I mean, has the reduction in guns and the concentration and that, has that had a, an effect on knives now being the primary choice of people when it comes to committing violence towards people? Yeah, I think it's also to do with the availability of guns compared to knives. Like, a lot more people can go out and buy a knife than they can do a gun, so that sort of shows why uh, knives are a lot more common. But, yeah, I don't really know much about okay. the gun stuff. Cool. Well, you know, it sounds like you do a lot of good work, so thank you very much for uh, coming out. And uh, yeah, and someone's going to talk to you. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Do you mind if I talk to you for a moment? If that's all right. Yeah. I mean, uh, why are you here at the Tory conference today? Uh, because I am a Tory myself. I've been <laughs> the policies of the party, and also it's a very good chance to socialise with good friends. Yeah. Let me ask you, where are you from? Uh, I'm from Belfast originally, North Mountain. Oh, okay then, and uh, how, how do so how has the Tory uh, um, policies gone down on your side of things? Uh, oh, sorry. Um, well, obviously we've got devolution in Northern Ireland, and obviously the political culture is a lot different. Um, it's been not well received from the nationalist camp, let's put it this way. Stormont is currently Apart from obviously the IRA murder, before that there was a crisis, an existential crisis to Stormont because Sinn Féin wouldn't pass the welfare reforms. So the central government decided then start penalising Stormont and all the parties almost fell apart. So uh, in working class communities, uh, in deprived areas, sort of like your loyalist and nationalist working class communities in East Belfast or in West Belfast, the reforms naturally probably wouldn't go down that well but whenever you start to go into the more middle class areas or like North Down or that area there'd be essentially that sort of idea why should we pay the fund someone else's lifestyle and that sort of mentality yeah. would start to come through I mean, are we getting to a point where we're having a complete breakdown of Stormont so to the point where it may end up having to be you know, directly ruled by Westminster again um, well I personally would love direct rule because stuff would get done um, Stormont <laughs> is it's it's, it's been broken since it was first instituted um, will it actually collapse I don't think so because I don't think the people there will allow themselves to be unemployed they get too much money from it, was, it was a necessary evil though given the fact that you know this was a group of people that were just shooting each other oh, yeah, before yeah. you know for the time for the early 2000s it was necessary but we're 15 years into the peace process we should have proper a proper democratic institution in Northern Ireland whereas we don't really have that at the moment it, yeah. it was meant to reform as the as the needs arose but the needs arose but the reform never came because none because it 
the parties in the executive in Northern Ireland, they had essentially they found themselves quite a comfy little niche where they could fleece the taxpayer for as much money as they could essentially it's if you want to know about political corruption just look into northern ireland just google the nama deal just look into peter robinson just look at the spads who work for Sinn fein it's it goes across nationalist unions, divides the corruption. Yeah. Well, I mean, you say you're in favour of direct rule, but, uh, I mean, is it going to be a, a, quite a big distraction, given that there's so much stuff going, going on in the world? You know, you've got Syria, you've got uh, the situation with the migrant crisis, you've got the European Union question. Does David Cameron really want Northern Ireland on top of yeah, everything well, else? Uh, like I say, I personally would think direct rule would probably be the best thing for Northern Ireland, because things get done, but I can understand that the Prime Minister, last thing the Prime Minister needs is Northern Ireland playing up on his case. Um, like I say, I don't think direct rule will be instituted because I, I honest, I think they just won't let themselves be unemployed. They get too much money from their mm. attendance to an assembly, which never works. Yeah. Do you think uh, they'll, they'll work again with the Republic of Ireland uh, in the south to, uh, to to deal with this? You know, should, should um, they have to come into play? Bill Clinton's also said that he'll step back in again, and obviously he did all, he did quite a bit of good during uh, during the time for the peace process. I mean, do the people who originally constructed come back into it do you think and uh, try and work out something that will be happy for everybody I think while it is a crisis I think it when I don't I can't see the needs arising where that sort of imposition would have to come about although obviously the police themselves have said it that the IRA is still an organised force and there is an obvious hierarchy there and I personally believe with all my heart that Sinn Féin still has formal links with the IRA yeah. I Well I mean the police say that the IRA still exists in some way shape or form but I mean do you think with Peter Robinson breaking up Storm on and breaking up the uh, the, the unity government so do you think that was somewhat a kind of a, a get out clause to try and you know, say well these welfare reforms that we want to put on Northern Ireland nothing to do with me um, Well it was the UP who pulled out Peter Robinson's got a foot in and a foot half out, so he's I'm not a very good view of that man. He's corrupt and he has no principles to stand on. Um, there is, and I think there is a large element that the whole murder crisis in the short strand, I think that is a welcome distraction for Sinn Féin to take the heat off the welfare scandal. But then, of course, you've got the whole... They're now looking at Sinn Féin. Well, how come the IRA is still killing people? Um the thing in Northern Ireland is that because the institution is so set in its ways, although it seems to be changing now with the EU people now, because the way change never seemed to come, the, you can see it in loyalist communities as they're rioting, starting to become a bit more vicious. Distant Republicans are obviously trying to increase their attacks and yeah. become more active. The, the system was stuck in such a jam where no one felt they were getting benefits from it unless of course you were elected to the assembly then you did well of it but but the rest of society in Northern Ireland was just stumped by it I think while the reasons for it are horrific that people have been essentially murdered by an organisation that was meant to have been disbanded um, if you can take a very grim silver lining to the whole thing um, the collapse of Stormont, hopefully something better, more accountable, and something that works will take its place. Do you think so, though? I mean, uh, I mean, obviously, Northern Ireland's not Greece. I mean, obviously, I know that. But, uh, I mean, isn't there a worry, though, that, uh, you know, uh, there's a possibility that people in Northern Ireland will look at Sinn Féin, look at the DUP, say, you guys have completely failed to do something. We're going to elect something that might not be as great as, uh, as Sinn Féin. Maybe, maybe even go to an extreme. Is that a possibility? Uh... I think the 
the traditional sectarian voting model is starting to break up. I think you just have to look at the DUP, the, the scandals around them. I think it's really undermined their credibility and the loyalist communities where they draw their voting from. Same with Sinn Féin. If you're an out-and-out Irish Republican and you want a united Ireland at all costs, well, why would you start voting for Sinn Féin? They, they're, in their views, upholding British administration in Ireland. But... So there's so Sinn Féin's losing people to their dissidents. The more moderates are starting potentially to go back to the SDLP. I can't see a radical new party, an extremist party, getting um, like sweeping the assembly. I can't see that happening because it's just a sectarian element to it. Um, there'll be electoral politics in Northern Ireland. I can't see a revolution as such, but I think it'll be a slow evolutionary process. Is the generations that experience the troubles and seeing the worst of it as they start to their electoral block shrinks against the people my age who have come up mm. mostly after the troubles so yeah. we we have different aspirations I mean it was good enough for my parents oh, as long as they stop killing each other but I I want something better than that I want I want a decent life I want jobs yeah. I want a healthy economy I want aspirations I think a lot of people want that at the moment yeah. but uh, I mean I tell you what, I wasn't expecting to have that kind of conversation with you, to be honest with you. I mean, uh, obviously, uh, we've got the Tory conference here, we've got the TUC down there. I mean, I mean I've been listening to some of the stories that people are coming out to demonstrate across and listen to what Jeremy Corbyn has to say. You know, hearing about families losing money, hearing about uh, you know disabled people losing their homes and things like that. Do you sympathise with some of these people that are uh, saying that are protesting against the Tories today? Um, well, to be honest, um, I was actually... Uh, living in a homeless hostel for a couple of years myself so I've, I've been there um, wow yeah I've experienced family collapse but I I feel that a lot of people might look at me and say oh he's a class traitor or some of the things these Trotskyites kick on that with um, I think the best way to lift people out of that thing is to have decent well paying jobs for them a place an aspirational aspirational ladder which they can carry up to lift themselves and a helping out a helping hand from the state not a handout from the state which is unfortunately what the system at least in my view what the system was under labor i do honestly sympathize with people like the whole tax credits thing i totally sympathize with that because after obviously personal uh, circumstances with my family i've seen what it happens whenever the money stops coming into the house and crisis hits the house so i know i i totally do understand that that mentality but i just i think it's the best way out of it is to have an aspirational career where a person can work take home that money themselves which they earn themselves not essentially cushioned by the state for uh political purposes yeah. I'll tell you what mate you do very well to come out of your situation to where you are and uh, I'll tell you what I wish a lot of the young people were like you yourself so yeah so, uh, you too as well yeah Rob you alright how you doing yeah doing anything yeah covering what's going on on that side and covering what's going on over there as well so uh, yeah guys honestly actually that's alright Rob yeah how are you feeling today yeah feeling very good yeah a, a big thanks to Greater Manchester Police they're very clearly uh, you know pulling out all the stops as always and um, taking things very seriously so far it seems the, 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 the protest is, is very very peaceful, which is, you know, absolutely fine. Um, 
and yeah, looking forward to a good conference. Yeah. I mean, uh, what's going to be the highlight for you in regards to everyone who's going to be speaking today? Obviously, David Cameron's got his big maiden speech, and uh, then there's going to be others who are going to be speaking. I mean, what do you hope is going to come out of the Tory conference, which is going to uh, you know inspire Tory activists to uh, you know in the long in the long run? Well, I think primarily it's all about just making sure that we we carry on uh, down the path that we've been been moving on since before and after the, the general election. Um, obviously, having won a Conservative majority government, we're now in a position to really move forward in terms of that uh, economic recovery, um, driving things forward in that area, job creation. And of course, a big thing for me personally is the devolution agenda in the north of England and that investment in transport and job growth and across the north of England as well. So I'm very much looking forward to uh, hearing about that. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm not, I, I, obviously, I think it might be far too soon to be talking about this, but obviously this is David Cameron's uh, last uh, five years uh, of uh, being Prime Minister, at least that's what he says. I mean, out of, uh, out of everyone who's currently pointing that seems to be being put forward, you know, either George Osborne or Boris Johnson, whoever. I mean, who are you who are you looking at at the moment to carry on from where David Cameron left off in 2020? Well, to be honest, I'm not at the moment. I think uh, we have a very, very strong Prime Minister in David Cameron. Um, we're very fortunate to have very strong Cabinet in general and some very strong MPs. Um, and I think it's right that they should be allowed to carry on the work that they're doing in government. And when the time comes that David Cameron decides whether it be sooner or later or whenever it is, then um, we shall have that discussion at that point. Yeah. I mean, obviously, we've got the big, massive demonstration down down the road. And I've been speaking with people down there myself. I mean, I've spoken to a disabled person who's lost her house. I mean, I've spoken to a family who don't know what Chris, where Christmas is going to go this year. I mean, do you sympathise with these people and where they're coming from and why they feel pretty angry with the situation at the moment? Well, look, of course, anybody in a situation like that of course you sympathize with them of course you do um, and I think that they're along the road there have been some difficulties on an operational level um, going forward large changes sometimes have um, you know difficulties in terms of Im- implementation I think we're getting to that point now I think the fundamental agenda that the government's striving in terms of making sure work pays job growth job creation etc whilst also of course making sure that the most vulnerable in society are protected and looked after I think that that's very important yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, jobs are important. You know, we're making sure pay work pays is important and everything like that. But, uh, I mean, trade union bills, really? Is that really necessary? Well, I think that the trade union bill, personally, is overdue. Um, I think that for a long time now, trade unions have been dominated by a small group of those at the top, trade union barons at the top, who don't necessarily reflect the views of their members at all stages. And I don't believe it's right that the recent tube strikes down in London for example I don't believe it's right that you can hold a ballot on the principle of striking 12-18 months beforehand and then drag this out as a, as a reason to, to hold a strike and to hold the city to ransom um, and I think that that has to be tackled fundamentally what we have to put first is the British people, the British public and ensuring that people can get around and that they can carry on their daily lives so i think that that's absolutely fun i mean one thing that comes across to me when i was talking to people is that you know teachers are stressed out when nhs workers are stressed out there's a lot of stress currently going on at the moment and it doesn't seem that the government seems to have the uh the uh, solutions to kind of alleviate that instead it seems to be they feel they feel a bit more attacked really than help um 
I do I do disagree with with the fundamental point there. Now, obviously, yes, with great changes comes a lot of uncertainty. But the government made it very clear it was a manifesto promise. You talked about the NHS that would be investing an extra eight billion over the course of the Parliament. Um, David Cameron has made it very clear that that's going to go ahead. That pledge will be met. Um, and I think that we have to bear in mind that, of course, the NHS is is there as a as a fundamental service. It needs its investment to be protected, and the Conservative Party will always do its utmost to ensure that that service is protected. Yeah, I mean, uh, I've also there are these protesters as well. I mean, uh, there are a lot of young people, first time engaged in politics. I mean, uh, there's looking also looking at the ideological shift. I mean, are these young people you could ever hope to ever gain, you know, to uh, get you know get support in, you know for conservatives in elections? Well, of course. I mean, having young people engaged in politics is is uh, you know a fantastic thing to have. Whatever side, as long as they're not Corbyn supporters. Well, whatever side of the debate that might be on, I think. Um, being engaged on whatever side of the debate you want to be on is far better than, than apathy and not being engaged whatsoever, uh, as long as it's channelled in the correct way. Um, I think as long as we can have sensible, uh, good discussions, good debates about the areas of policy that are up for discussion, uh, then that's absolutely fantastic. No problem. OK, catch you later, Rob. Thank you very much for speaking. So he's always a fan of the show. From iScout, yeah. Can I speak with you for a minute? I'm Aaron from the Aaron Meta Show. Uh, I noticed you got your scout troop out today, so uh, I thought maybe I could ask you oh, why. Uh, which publicising a fringe event that Scout Association's got. Oh, cool. A million hands. Um, we publicise for every single um, Plasky Political Conference. We authorise fringe events basically to generate support for the community, generate the, the educational programme that we have for youth, and publicise Million Hands, which is an event that's being launched tomorrow, uh, which is how we can get more people in communities to to take up charities like Mind, uh, like WaterAid and things like that. Yeah, I'll tell you what, Scouts have been on the rise uh, quite, quite a lot around the northern areas. I mean, why do you think that is? Uh, it's the largest educational charity in the UK. We've got a fantastic programme. You've got access from six years old to 25, all the way through to Duke Inventory Awards, Queen Scout Awards. It's fantastic. That's brilliant. Thank you very much for talking cool. to me, mate. Have, have a good day. This has been the Arometa Show on the Tory side of things. We'll be back on, uh, on the TUC side of things when we come back. Take care. Welcome back to the Aaron Meta Show. We said we'd be back on the other side and uh, Mr. McCluskey. Oh, we're going this way. Mr. McCluskey, my name is Aaron. I'm from the Aaron Meta Show. Uh, Mind if I talk to you just uh, for a moment while you talk? Yeah, Um, I ask everybody exactly the same question, so please, sorry if this is a stupid question, but what are you doing out here today? Well, we're here to send a message to the Conservative Party that they may may think that the won on May the 7th and we were going to all go away but we're not, we're going to fight for our heritage, we're going to fight for our national health service, our welfare state, universal education for our kids, we're going to fight for good housing and secure jobs and we're going to oppose the trade union bill which is pernicious and uh, something that frankly is not needed so we're here to give the Tories that message. How much of an uphill struggle is it going to be with uh, Jeremy Corbyn, some people like him, some people don't uh, the, you know, with the Green Party the Socialist Party, it's all still in, uh, still in fragmentation, I mean how much of an uphill struggle is this going to be for you? No, I think Jeremy Corbyn's brought in a freshness to politics and I think uh, people will be very very surprised over the coming months and years, more and more of the British electorate will look and see that he's offering 
uh, a real alternative of hope and that's what people are looking for yeah. it's a bit of a gamble though I mean just one last question it's a bit of a gamble uh, of Jeremy Corbyn trying to bring in all these young voters and uh, you know young people don't necessarily uh, fully engage with politics the same way that the Tories are in regards to their voting block I mean it's a bit of a gamble doing this there's no question that young people have been turned off by politics of all parties until Jeremy Corbyn he's brought tens of thousands of young people into our movement and that is a fantastic thing and I think we're on the start of something really new thanks Mr McCluskey thank you very much Hey everybody, how's it going? This is the Aaron Meta Show. Uh, we are still on the 4th of October of uh, 2015. I want to thank you very much for uh, checking us out. Uh, joining us uh, along for this section of the show is Josh. Hey Aaron, how are you? Hey Josh, how are you doing? Very long time. Yeah, it has been a very long time. It's been months, really. Yeah, what have you been doing? Well, I've been working at an amusement park for months. They've been over-scheduling me at the... Well, I've been working at Kittyland most of the day. It's a... Uh, like kind of like it's uh, in Kennywood, which is the amusement park, and but mostly it's for kids, and <laughs> you wouldn't imagine how much trouble that would be worth over there. Really? <laughs> uh, so I imagine kids and uh, kids in trouble pretty much, uh, you know, uh, yeah. go together, don't they? So uh, right. yeah, and running around and all that, and they're just like, oh my god, why aren't the parents watching their kids? Whew. Well, and, I think that's the reason they have other people around, so you know they don't have to bother. So. Oh yeah, <laughs> and that, and uh, during the summer, I also wrote a, a a blog about growing up with autism. It was in I think in mid July or the I think it was in mid July somewhere, and that and that blog was on the Autism Speaks Facebook page, and that pretty much and it was it went pretty viral there. Over sixty eight thousand people liked my blog over 8,000 shared it and there were over 800 comments and it was kind of a it was like a wow yeah well man all well, the congratulations on that I'm sure that was on the show that was really cool to do so uh, yeah yeah and now you're uh, now you're back at being a celebrity on being my co-host on this show so uh, there you go <laughs> yeah. onwards and upwards Josh onwards and upwards uh but yeah so uh, shall we talk some Nickelodeon for a second oh yeah we can talk about that yeah so you heard about the splat uh, yes, I did. I heard that uh, they're uh, using the splat to, uh, you know, bring '90s shows back on Nickelodeon or something like that. Yeah, it was, and so uh, we. I guess it's going to be a more rehyped version of the '90s or all that. It's going to be this uh, eight-hour block of uh, of programming for everything in the '90s. So uh, they have actually given us a list of uh, shows that uh, we're going to be uh, that's going to be on. So shall I give right. you the list of shows and see what we think? Uh, yeah, sure. Okay, so this is all in alphabetical order, so it's not like in like a top ten or anything like that. So uh, uh, let's right. see what they do here. So uh, the first show that they're going to bring back is all that. Oh, oh man, I I was actually watching clips of that on YouTube, and let me tell you, that was hilarious. Especially the I think my favorite one was the my one of my favorite skits was the loud librarian. Yeah, who tells everyone to be quiet at the library just for uh, sneezing or coughing. Any of that? I gotta be honest. My last, my only recollection of all that, and uh, maybe it's because maybe it wasn't, it didn't take off in uh, in England as uh, as much as it did in the U.S. But uh, I just remember N- Nelly Furtado being on that show. Was Nelly Furtado? Yeah, I, I don't know why. It just uh, it just seems it seems to just kind of 
stick out really. One of the things someone like that would be would be on all that. Or maybe maybe I'm wrong. Maybe someone would be like that. But uh, I don't know. It's just I, I do remember some of the. Uh, I don't remember the names of the people, but I do remember them being quite memorable. So uh, I mean, it's. Uh, I think wasn't that where Amanda Bynes got a start? Yeah, in, that in was Nickelodeon. Fall. That was before she got her own show. Yeah. So say so, what well, that's going to be. That's going to be strange, isn't it? Because you know how everything, all, all the controversy that we've had oh, with yeah. Amanda Bynes, and then all of a sudden here she comes and she's back on yeah, on our television and, and, and on all that. I mean, I hate to think what that would do to uh, to a mental state to say that you know this is what you were before and this is what you are now. Well, I think when you watch the uh, uh, what is it like? There, it's there's a skit that she did. She was famous for it's uh, Ask Ashley. It's, you know, at the beginning, she acts so sweet until she reads a letter, answers the question in a tantrum kind of <laughs> kind of attitude. <laughs> yeah. It, she, it, she just acts crazy. And I'm like, you know, may, is that the way Amanda Bynes is in real life? Maybe that's, I don't know. I, I don't know her, but this is just, uh, sometimes people will joke about that. Yeah, it's going to be strange. I think uh, because I think it's because uh, you know it's kind of like uh, you know uh, I mean it's, I know it's not the same but uh, do you remember the uh, the the uh, the little girl who played uh, who played uh, oh what's her name in you know in the land before time yeah uh, yeah um, who got uh, you know the girl who got uh, you know brutally murdered by her father and stuff oh yeah, it, oh, yeah, yeah. That was, that when I read that part it disturbed me terribly yeah it's not I know it's not the same but it it kind of feels a bit like that. In a yeah. way, it kind of feels like you know this is what things were like before, and these are what the things are now. Yeah. It's kind of like you know, so uh, and it's it's that part of your nostalgia which you know um, you feel a bit awkward about because of basically how yeah. things transpired. It's kind of like uh, you know, obviously with the whole situation with Bill Cosby, yeah, and or Woody uh, you know, Allen, they they still watch his movies even though Woody Allen is very strange. Yeah, and yeah, like so it's, I mean, like I think they just talking about maybe you know that was before amanda Bynes became you know had mental problems or developed yeah. them it, it is but so you know it's like it's kind of like uh it's like you know you know when someone says oh do you remember little bill and like you know yeah didn't bill cosby do that show and it's like you know oh awkward so like, it's like it's kind of yeah the show i mean yeah so uh i mean yeah so it's gonna have that kind of awkwardness to it i guess and yeah. uh okay the next show is the angry beavers um, well, I mean, Angry Beavers, I, I, I remember watching the show. I didn't really remember enjoying it. I just remembered why it was just always on the television. Very, it was just on the television very often. Mm-hmm. And I was just a little kid just, uh, who was obsessed with staring at the television. So I didn't really care what was on. Really? <laughs> it's like, really? So the Angry Beavers didn't really engage you as uh, much as everyone else did because i remember yeah. i remember that getting knob and i thought it was a i thought it was a pretty hilarious show and obviously living was, in that dam as well which could uh, you know there's all sorts of possibilities added to it as well so uh, yeah I, mean, I just didn't i i was a child you know i didn't really and i just didn't really get the jokes back then i didn't like it, it was you know it just felt different to other shows i don't know i don't know why it just depended on i think I don't know. It just depend on the situation and the, all the other things. I didn't know mm-hmm. what. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying I hate the show or yeah. anything like that. I'm not saying I dislike it. I'm just. It saying, just wasn't your what, show. Right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I'm not saying it's not funny. I'm just saying, yeah. what's the deal with beavers? Uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm really surprised that Nickelodeon really wanted, you know, was uh, you know so eager to bring it back. Because do you remember the controversy that it fe- that it fell under it when on the. When it, how it came how it came to an end because they wanted to do 
an episode where Dagger and Norb were basically uh, realized that they're actually in a cartoon show. And they wanted to end the whole show like that, and Nickelodeon said no. And there's actually recordings of uh, the uh, of the, of that episode. Let me see if I can uh, tell you what, just out of interest for everybody. Let me see if I can find that clip. Uh, Angry Beavers, uh, final episode. Let me see if I can find it here uh, on uh, Bye Bye Angry Beavers. Impact blank. Uh, no, I thought that, I thought we had a recording of uh, oh. uh, of the of the uh, high quality audio. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be, oh, there's a ten minute clip. I'm not going to play a whole ten minute clip, but uh, I mean, there was some audio out there. Basically, it's like uh, Daggett saying, you know, oh, you know, all the hard work is going to, uh, all the all the repeats that are going to go uh, going on are the uh, are the people who worked hard on the show going to get all that money. And uh, you know, uh, Norb just goes into like this here, you know, his hilarious laugh and everything. So. Uh, Send me the link later. Maybe I'll watch it after that. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll have a go for it. I don't think that's the link, but uh, I mean, there's like a 10 minute audio clip. And to be honest with you, I'm not going to. I'll send you the clip at some point. But uh, I mean, okay. I'll, just, just, to, just to make my point, uh, out of all the controversy that came out of that, I'm really surprised Nickelodeon was so uh, eager to uh, to kind of bring that back. So, uh, yeah. yeah. Anyway, um, next one is Are You Afraid of the Dark? Uh, I'm. Are you afraid of the dark? Is that like a R.L. Stein kind of thing, or is he it was just, uh... he was like a Goosebumps kind of thing? But mind you, Are You Afraid yeah. of the Dark? I think came before Goosebumps, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. And yeah, so I'm basically, watching. it would be the these kids who would who have like have a, a a club called the Midnight Society, and they would all gather around this uh, campfire campfire, and they would all tell this uh, these scary stories, and they would be acted out for you. So uh, I got to be honest with you, I, I can remember roughly. Some of the some of the shows. I remember this one where they um, yeah, this kid befriended all these like group of kids, and they were going to make him like go into like a house, but then he realizes that like, all the kids were dead because of it, and so there that was a that was some pretty creepy stuff. And then there was uh, oh, there was some other ones as well. I'm, try- I'm trying to remember the ones that stuck out in my mind, but uh, right now I'm I'm drawing a blank. Um, yeah, but you know, it was a it was a pretty you know pretty scary show. It was on the uh, it was on the nine o'clock Monster Hour uh, in on here in Nick here in the UK when uh, you know before it went off the air, and so they do like all the scary stuff you know before before the channel went off went off the air and uh, for the night, and uh, so I remember that show from from there on end. So uh. I think I'm, I think I mostly remember Goosebumps. I I never really uh, remember watching that show, although I don't know if maybe. You know, I don't know if that was Goosebumps that I remembered or not. But no, was about- it's nothing to do with Goosebumps. So Goosebumps was Fox Kids. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah. okay, that was then that made sense yeah. uh, because I didn't have a lot of cable TV at my house. Usually, I would go to my grandparents to watch Nickelodeon shows, and right. that was. I thought uh, Nickelodeon was free to air on uh, on in U.S. television. Maybe I'm wrong, but uh, I, I don't know. Well, my, my, my mom, my mom was a single mom. She didn't have much cable. We were very broke. Oh, no, I didn't say it was. I didn't say it was on cable. I said it was on. Uh, it, it wasn't on free TV. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, okay, maybe not. Okay. Um, next show is Cat Dog. Oh yeah, I remember that pretty well. Yeah, I remember I, Cat. Like, I don't know. Cat Dog, I think, is kind of the same way you think of the Angry Beavers. It didn't really catch on for me. So uh, I remember Winslow, the 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 mouse. But uh, besides that, I don't think I really remember anything else from the show. And what surprised me was that Dog is the voice of SpongeBob. Yeah, well, mind you, the voice actors can do all sorts of things, can't they? So uh, that wouldn't surprise and, me too much. 
And another thing, like the it's it's kind of nice to see that a cat and a dog can be conjoined twins. And I think I remember the episode. It seemed like a touching episode where they were searching for their parents. Mm. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I, I didn't. I didn't mind you. How ironic is that when we've been fighting for uh, someone to find their parents? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, the next uh, show is uh, Carissa explains it all. I, I didn't see a few I've never seen episodes of I never seen the, this show until like maybe a few years ago when I was watching 90s or all that uh, I saw Melissa Joan Hart as a teenager and I'm like oh my god is that Melissa Joan Hart and yeah, I, was like, I, was, I looked at that and thought, you know, hey, that's Sabrina the Teenage Witch. It's like, you know, yeah. well, that's uh, that was my... Well, mind you, I guess it should have been, it shouldn't have been my reaction to that. I only realized that Clarissa and Sabrina were played by the same actor when uh, I kind of looked back at it and thought, oh, yeah, these these two girls, they're the, they're, they're the same person. So uh, Yeah, it is. It's just, I didn't... Yeah, I never really uh, thought of this show much after that. I just, I thought of it more as a chick flick show or whatever you call it. But I think it's it does. I guess I should look back at it maybe next time to see. You know, now that I'm older, I'm 22. Uh, I should see what maybe what's I if I watch it again, I will find out what's so good about it. Yeah. You know? um, the next show is Hey Arnold. Yeah, definitely that that one. I'm pretty sure is gonna be. <laughs> Something I would watch on Splat. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, I think. Well, I'd be very surprised if we don't watch it. But uh, right. um, I mean, it's uh, obviously it's um, it's a it's a nod to us, and uh, I'm going to be interested to see um, how how much just uh, exposure it does get on the Splat. And uh, right. also, uh, you know, we've also got uh, uh, Craig Bartlett who said on this show as well that uh, you know, hey, Arnold's going to come back in some future form. Is this yeah. the future form he's talking about? I don't know. Maybe it's part of it, and uh, but uh, they seems to be. You know, he seems to have some kind of hope about you know uh, doing something it seems new like with there's it. There's something so. going on there because uh, when I when I found that uh, comment by Nickelodeon that says uh, you know what does it say? A how about a jungle movie? It kind of and I thought mm, it's probably some kind of hacker or whatever, and then or some kind of person just uh, giving a you know, comment. And then I found yeah. out that, oh, wait, that's Nickelodeon commented on this. Yeah, but also keep this in mind as well. It's like, you know, these are social media managers and what is what is your prime responsibility as a social media manager? To get hits and to get likes. Yeah. So, of course, you know, there's a possibility that that was the reason why that happened. I explained that when we did a whole episode about it, but... Uh, I mean, I mean, let's let's keep our our minds open about this. I mean, obviously, then we're going to go on to another thing about this in a little later on. But uh, I mean, yeah. there are other bits to this. But uh, for the meantime, we'll we we'll keep moving on. Okay. Uh, the next show is Hey Dude. Hey Dude. Never heard of that one. No, never heard of it either. Okay, moving on. <laughs> uh, next show is Keenan and Kel. Oh man, that's. Sh- <laughs> I love that one. Yeah. If you love uh, Saturday Night Live with Keenan Thompson. Oh, yeah. And Kel, uh, did you check it. out the reunion, actually, on uh, Jimmy Fallon? Really? Yeah, there was, yep. a, there was a reunion of... Uh, they, it, wasn't, it wasn't the Keenan and Kel show. They did Good Burger. They did the Good Burger sketch. Yeah, they did. It was... It, was, uh, it, was a, it seemed like Kel Mitchell had still had that uh, impersonation of, of, <laughs> of Ed in him. I'm surprised he still had the energy. That he still had the voice. That he still had all of it. Yeah, I'm really surprised. Yeah, he he he's managed to keep his youth, which I was really surprised about. And he managed to basically pull off 
Uh, and it seemed seamless how, how yeah. they did it. I mean, Jimmy Fallon is the seems to be the ultimate nostalgia, uh, you know, time machine at the moment when it comes to all this. Well, we've had Save by the Bell sketches. We've yeah. had this sketch. You know, who knows what we're going to end up with uh, somewhere down the line. So, I mean, hey, you know, there's a, and which is a really great thing because, you know, when Jimmy Fallon was starting out, uh, there was already these calls by people saying, oh, you know, he's not as good as uh, Jay Leno. Bring Jay Leno back, which I was like, what? How can he not be better? Yeah, how can he not be better than Jay Leno at, at this point? Uh, and so, but now like, he's, he's, he's garnering towards people who remember this stuff. Then obviously, you know, he's, uh, he's doing the right thing. He's uh, doing, uh, he's, he's bringing back. Uh, all this, all this '90s nostalgia, which uh, is bringing in a younger demographic and getting younger people into the show, which is great. Yeah, because I think he seems to be a fan of it, you know, and himself. As a matter of fact, well, he's an entertainer; just... he has to be a fan of it. So uh, you know, it's, right. uh, <laughs> yeah. when you're a comedian, you you get into you know, you would poke fun of uh, kids' shows or something like that. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, okay, the next show is the Ren and Stimpy show. Ren and Stimpy. Yeah, that's. Okay, I oh uh, I've only I was introduced by of that show from my uh, stepfather at one point. Um, <laughs> at first, I was young; I didn't get it. But then, now I'm old enough. I found a, a clip where he was using a you know there was a log on uh, either. Which one is Ren and which one's Stimpy? Is Stimpy the guy with the big nose or yeah? Stimpy's the guy. Stimpy's the big guy, and uh, Ren's the, uh, the the thin character. Okay. And this and Ren had this. Uh, okay, uh, Stimpy had that log on his back. No, wait, that's not Stimpy. Um, whatever. Yeah. Uh, and you know, and he was, and the other guy was using a saw, and it was kind of like, and there was a bit of innuendo and uh, implication in there. Uh, <laughs> oh, you want in? You, you know, if you want to get away from the innuendo implication, you should watch the adult party cartoons. Of Ren and Stimpy, uh, oh my God! You wouldn't, you, 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 there's no, there's just nothing left. There was so the it was just not nonstop. There's a lot of innuendo. Yeah. Okay. Oh, could you imagine if uh, Nickelodeon decided? You know, obviously, you know, this is going towards the over eighteen demographic. Could you imagine how much controversy they would want to create if they said, "Okay, well, we're going to bring back. We're also not only going to just air the Ren and Stimpy show. We're going to air the adult party cartoons as well." Yeah. I mean, the 90s are so much different to uh, society today. Pe- and people are just taking things too seriously. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, next show is The Legends of the Hidden Temple. Never heard of it. No, neither have I. Moving on. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I just, you know, for those of you like shouting at us right now, saying, you know, we've never heard of these shows like Hey Dude and Legends of the Hidden Temple, you know, unfortunately, <laughs> we just haven't heard of them. So there's uh, not really much we can comment on. Um, next one is Rocco's Modern Life. Rocco's Modern Life. Uh, it sounds familiar. What is it like? Uh, what is it about? No, it's about Rocco, the uh, the wallaby, and uh, you know lives in the house, uh, owns a co- you know is a uh, has a comic book, st- works at a comic book store, and uh, he has Heifer as a you know this uh, cow as a uh, as a um, uh, as a friend, and uh, he has uh, Mr. Bighead as these uh, as his really you know really horrible neighbor. I guess in a way you could say it's probably a more tamer version of SpongeBob SquarePants. Okay. I guess you, when you think about it, but uh, I mean, uh, obviously it had its own innuendo and stuff like that. But so uh, right. yeah, if you if you, could, if you could find Rogo's Modern Life, I would definitely check it out. Okay, yeah, I think what... I know what you're talking about. I just I'm just it's one of the original Nicktoons. 
Okay, well, I'm, I'm googling it right now. Yeah, yeah. There's okay, the go- <laughs> there, there's the okay. googling. <laughs> okay, uh, this one needs no introduction. It's the Rugrats. Rugrats. Yeah, I've watched that uh, a lot. <laughs> yeah, interesting a- though which ones they decide to air because obviously you know they've had like several seasons of Rugrats. So I mean, do you decide to do with what they're doing with the Simpsons right now? Do you mix the old episodes with the new episodes and uh, kind of keep both of them going at the same time? And do you even mix in uh, some, maybe even some of the spin-offs if you feel if you feel like it? I mean, it's yeah. uh, it's gonna be interesting to see what uh, what they decide to do. So. Uh, I mean, so yeah, I mean, uh, surprise us, Nickelodeon, surprise us. Um, the next uh, show is Salute Your Shorts. What? Salute Your Shorts. It was a show about some kids at a camp. Uh, it actually starred. Oh, what's his name? Uh, do you have you ever watched Terminator Two: Judgment Day? Uh, Terminator. Yeah, I did. Yeah, you know the kid. And I completely forgotten his name. Who hangs around with John Connor at the very, you know, in the first fifteen minutes of the sh- of the of the movie? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. That kid, he was a, he was one of the main characters of Salute Your Shorts. No way. You know, yes way. Uh-uh. So uh, yeah, it was uh, that was that was interesting. And uh, but I don't. I, I got to be honest with you. I currently vaguely remember some bits of the show. So uh, yeah. Um, the next the and the final. Uh, show which they're thinking of bringing into the splat is the wild thornberries oh yeah i that that show it was a lot of happy memories i don't i don't know why i mean the last episode ended with uh eliza dating this uh guy that's maybe a couple years older than her i <laughs> I don't know what it was, but uh, I mean, I remember. Uh, I remember Eliza Thornberry obviously was the uh, the girl who could talk to animals, and yes. uh, which was a great concept. And also, Tim Curry as Nigel Thornberry. That was that was gold, and you could tell. <laughs> and I'm sure. <laughs> and I'm sure we've had this conversation before, but so she. I mean, sorry, Tim Curry. I'm sure loved that character. I you know I think if he if in re- I think if in real life if he could be Nigel Thornberry, I think he I think he would want to be. So it was such a it was a character that he brought a lot he brought a lot and I mean a lot of life to. Yeah, Tim so. Curry was a great actor. He uh, played Pennywise in the Stephen King film. Oh, yeah, I remember that. He remember that part. Yeah, uh, he you. played and he played Frankenfurter in Rocky Horror Show. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I mean, it's about but this is about the wild thornberries. If you've ever like, I think uh, there's also a uh, the woman who plays. Uh, the, Eliza's sister. She was also she was also in the Halloween films. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. She played Jamie Lee Curtis's daughter yeah. a, in the fourth and fifth movie, and she played and she like starred in the remakes. That was really interesting. Yeah, so, it is interesting. Yeah, and and it's what really touched me the most about the sh- about the show was that uh, her sister finds out about Eliza and she keeps it a secret. Though mostly she's afraid of turning into a baboon, I think that's the reason why she kept it a secret. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, well, that's the uh, that's the splat, and so uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing what they uh, what they do with it. So uh, here Let's we go. Back here on the jungle movie. That's what I want to see. Yeah. <laughs> Um, well, the next Nickelodeon thing we've got right now is uh, definitely interesting. This is uh, Nick- Nickelodeon uh, deciding that the uh, hit uh, series Sanjay and Craig that they currently got going on, that's going to go to graphic novel. 
And really? So yeah, it is. So, but which is uh, which is interesting because now that they decided they're going to hit the world of uh, comics and graphic novels, and like, you know they have done this in the past. You know they have never had Nickelodeon magazines and stuff like that. You know yeah. they are bringing it back as well, which you know makes me wonder. I mean, like, um, is it really uh, you know with what with mag- with magazines and publications in in uh, in paper form now on the on the, on the down. I mean, I'm not really too sure if it's wise to be doing uh, magazines still, but, uh, I mean, in regards to the graphic novels, I mean, obviously I've got nothing to complain about. Uh, I mean, if uh, they want to do, you know, like, uh, you know, let's say, you know, epic... I mean, also, they've done graphic novels in the past with uh, uh, Avatar The Last Airbender, but technically yeah. they're not really Nicktoons. Uh, right. But, um, I mean, yeah, it's like, it's, it's interesting, because, uh, I mean, could it possibly lead the way if they're going to be doing paperbacks and hardcovers of uh, graphic novels, lead the way to possibly even a Hey Arnold or any other type of Nick, Nick, Nicktoon uh, graphic novel in the future. So, I think yeah, I think it would do the same thing. I mean, if that's if there's a continuation of a, of a TV show, that can make a that could pretty much make a lot of money there for both maybe for both adults and for kids. And it, it just you you know it just uh, they have to. You know they're not really. They need to make shows that is interesting to you know both sides of, you know at home. So they, so that could be entertaining for both of them to watch. So they can watch, relate to their kids and bond with them, and all that. If you know what I mean, I guess I don't have kids. Yeah. I, well, uh, I mean, oh yeah, neither do I. But uh, I mean, um, th- this is going to be th- this is definitely going to be something we want to keep our eye on because I mean, if this is the uh, this if they've got ideas of graphic novels right now, I mean, surely this can't be the only idea that they have right. for this. So uh, let's keep uh, let's keep an eye on this and let's see what uh, see what else they come up with. So uh, very mm-hmm. interesting news indeed. Um, shall we get into this Kim Davis stuff? Oh. Kim Davis, she oh man, I excuse my language. She creeps the hell out of me. Oh, oh man, oh, I, I, I have a stronger language for her than that, but obviously I won't use it at the moment. But uh, I mean, this is this whole thing with the Pope is yeah. just it, it just it does it's just going you know in all sorts of directions at the moment. And so I mean, for those of you who do not know, uh, a report came out uh, recently that uh, the Pope had a private meeting with Kim Davis, this currently troubled um, uh, individual, uh, currently uh, wanting to uh, reje- reject, uh, restrict gays from uh, from and lesbian couples from uh, getting marriage licenses in the state of Kentucky. But uh, I mean, the the original story was that um, there was a private meeting set up between when the Pope was in the United States. And that he was going, that he met with Kim Davis, and that he, he gave uh, some kind of either some kind of blessing or some kind of uh, support to her, in some way, shape, or form. And uh, then the story changed, and uh, a spokesperson for the Vatican came out to say that it wasn't uh, what we all thought it was, and that yeah. uh, apparently she, he just basically shook the hand of Kim Davis and uh, actually didn't even know who she was when he met her and so uh, i mean which you know this part then the story just starts to unravel because you know you have kim davis's lawyer saying oh you know the pope supports me and everything like that and uh, yada 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 and now uh, the official vatican spokesperson comes out and says well you know no it wasn't it was just uh, it was just a, a chance meeting with the pope 
and uh, there was no, you know, like, uh, official meeting or anything like that. It was basically just a hello, and the Pope had was had no briefing or even had any knowledge that the fact that Kim Davis was either a county clerk, went to jail, was a Christian, may have been a Christian, or may have had any intentions to do any politics with the Pope whatsoever. He knew nothing about it, apparently. Right. So. And, well, uh, the thing is, you know, I... She's, if she's against gay marriage, okay, I'll, you know, I'll respect, it's a free country, okay? You could be against gay marriage. You don't have to, you know, you know, just, you don't have to support it. But if you're using the Pope as a way of support, if you're, if you're going to, like, if you're just going to tell people, if you're going to tell gay couples that you don't want, that you can't let them, you know, get married and all that. If you can't, if you're gonna li basically lie about, you know, or I, don't, I wouldn't say lie. She she just didn't tell the entire truth about what happened. I mean, she's in in this uh, video uh, on the news. Uh, she was just being interviewed, and she said, "I don't know how, I don't know why the Pope would want to. I don't know why the Pope would uh, come to see me. It's it's as if you know, she it's it's as if it was all about her." Yeah. My, in, well, obviously, she wanted to make political capital out of it, which, uh, you know, I think uh, for right now, the Pope, uh, you know, I guess uh, definitely on the liberal side of things, definitely people wanted to make political capital out of him because he was still talking about climate change and things like that. Yeah. And so, obviously, you know, I guess in uh, either in Kim Davis's mind or in somebody's mind, they thought, okay, then, well, we can uh, we can make something of this and uh, we can, uh, you know, get a garner support from the, the Holy Father in order to, you know, further our objective. Maybe that was the, uh, maybe that was what was supposed to be garnered out of this but then this this uh, whole thing takes uh another turn which apparently now there are rumors currently going around the internet that uh, now kim davis didn't even meet the pope at all i mean i i i don't think uh i mean the pope didn't really deny meeting kate david uh kim sorry not kate da kim davis kim davis yeah he just uh, it was denied that it was a private meeting between the two the the real private meeting, uh, according to reports, was supposed to take place between him and a gay couple. One of the two, the you know, one of his, one of them being his former students. Yeah, but it's just strange because, you know, now we've got conflicting reports about whether the, uh, you know, obviously the Vatican they did acknowledge that the Pope did did meet her, but uh, they then said that, uh, you know, that he didn't know who she was and that it was basically just a chance, it was just a chance, a chance meeting. And, yeah. uh, but then there's like other people saying that, well, you know, Kim Davis wasn't anywhere near the Pope at the time. So she's, he just happens, she he just happens to be in the vicinity. So, yeah. uh, I mean, there was a possibility that she never encountered the Pope while she was walking around. So I mean, there, there's so many conflicting reports, and it's just it's just a weird story because it's yeah. like you know, um, I mean, obviously you know, maybe we should say maybe there was a maybe, the only conclusion I can come up with is that yes, may may have been a meeting between the Pope and Kim Davis, but the likelihood is uh, the Pope didn't know who Kim Davis was, and mm. and it was just basically just a, a handshake, and that was it. And mm. so you know, what else? I mean, there's nothing else really to it, really. I mean, it's just a, it's just a strange story, you know. Obviously, you know that you know that the, maybe Kim Davis's side isn't telling the truth about this, and right. maybe there's a there's just confusion within um, the Vatican about exactly what happened, because uh, apparently there was some other stuff that happened with the Pope, which apparently you know is uh, people are quite you know calling questions over and stuff like that. And uh, actually, I've just seen some uh, uh, breaking news actually just uh, coming up on my screen. Apparently, Brendan Rogers, 
uh, of Liverpool of Liverpool Football Club has been sacked. So uh, sorry to just just uh, go distract onto a different thing, but uh, apparently now uh, that's over now. So apparently Liverpool apparently uh, uh, Jurgen Klopp is in the frame for taking over Liverpool manager. Mind you, good luck to him because it's uh, going to be interesting to see what you can do with uh, about a team and maybe Ben Teke. I mean, I don't know what else you can do. But uh, anyway, sorry about uh, changing gears for a second. It just, it just caught my eye. But uh, yeah, we're going back to Kim Davis. I mean, as far as I'm aware, it was just a chance meeting. Uh, the Pope had no idea who she was. She obviously had other ideas. And uh, yeah, it's just a really, really strange story. But Yeah, I, I knew something was a bit fishy about the story. And what I found out later, uh, like shortly after, when I when that story came out about her meeting the pro, uh, quote privately unquote, uh, there was a, it was a there was a, a comment that said a lawyer admitted uh, one of Kim Davis's lawyers admitted to lying about uh, five thousand people praying for her to get out of jail. Uh, like a some kind of vigil or whatever you want to call it. There was like a- uh, you know the, the world of Kim Davis must be just be a really strange and really really awkward place because I mean as I, I, I don't want to make fun of Christians because I am one, but uh, like- <laughs> yeah they they they, they just they, they just they just live on this whole other planet that uh, you know. Uh, that um, it's just it's just really mind boggling to me. I really wish. I could garner some kind of understanding of where these people are at. But, you know, when you look at the framework of where we are now in society, we now have, uh, you know, it's no longer illegal to be homosexual. It's no longer illegal for gays to get and lesbians to get married. You know, the LGBTQ community is in an... is such a... is such a... uh, an accept is an accepted group of people now that uh, you know there's there's people now questioning whether you know whether gay pride now really means anything anymore and whether uh, you know whether you know the the gay community really needs its own kind of like you know uh, its own place now now that uh, you know homosexuality is is starting to become wi- is now widely accepted amongst the uh, the wider community with the exception of so, with one or two idiots so it's just yeah, it's just you know it's um so you know it's it's evolving at such a rapid rate and with with that in place i just i just boggles me to understand where these uh, where these uh, you know so-called christians are coming from now when you know it's just it's uh, it's no longer working in their favor anymore to oppose gay people and to oppose gays rights i mean if christians go as far as uh, comparing gay people to bill cosby that's okay that's just going to be stupid because, Bill Cosby's getting a bit kicking in this show tonight, isn't he? Uh, uh, <laughs> and and I mean, like the Duggars uh, compared gay people to child molesters, which is totally ridiculous. Yeah, and, mind you, we got Josh Duggar right now, who's you know this yeah. this sexual deviant who they found with not only just one but two Ashley Madison accounts. Yeah. And so you know, as far as, as far, you know, as far as the the Duggars can concern, you know, I mean, mind you, even before. The, these Sorry, relations, you know. <laughs> I mean, like, yeah, they don't know what this is. It, it, it just frustrates me because you know, you meet you meet gay people in real life, and right. then you hear these, uh, you know, these uh, perceptions being brought onto you by the extremes of our society, and then when you find out it's not what it seems. So like uh, it's like what we had before with uh, with the uh, the the um, clips that we had before from the. Uh, from the event that I, I went to in uh, in Manchester between you know the uh, the Tory conference and uh, the the TUC and uh, you know it's like 
it's like, you know, you hear about all these extremes in the press, and then finally you go somewhere, you go to what they're reporting on yourself, and you find it's not as bad as everyone makes it out to be. And, right. you know, it's just, it's uh, it's one of those situations, so, yeah. You know, just, like, stop looking at your televisions, just go out, and, you know, judge, don't judge people by what the media is telling you. Ju- like, judge people by your own point of view. Mm-hmm. Of everything around you. Yeah. And with that, I think we're done. So uh, I think uh, not too much to uh, to get through at the moment in regards to uh, this side of things. Obviously, the massive uh, events obviously been uh, what we've been uh, what you've been listening to the last uh, couple of hours or so. And uh, so uh, yeah, Josh. I mean, thank you very much for coming on the show. I'll uh, I'll wrap up now. And uh, yeah, I'll look. I'll tell you what. What are you doing next week? Um, next week, I'm definitely not sure. I mean, I did have a job interview last week, and there's a cool. chance I might get. Oh, that's right. But I mean, like, I'm just. But still, uh, there's at the time being, there's no uh, specific plans. Uh, it's just uh, me hanging out with, uh, you know, with with my date and all that. Maybe somewhere at another place. But I'm not. I'm just not sure. It's just. Uh, it's only a week too or a week too soon. It's. Yeah, it's kind of hard to tell at the moment. Cool. All right, then. Well, I'll wrap up the show, and uh, yeah, I'll I'll, I'll let you go. But uh, yeah, message me halfway through the week and let me know what's going on, man. So cool. All right. Catch you later, Josh. Catch you later, Aaron. All right. Cheers, Josh. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay, everybody. Um, just before we go, um, I want to address what's going on with the uh, cra- with the Hey Arnold anniversary uh, uh, show that uh, I which I've been trying to uh, try and get organised at the moment. Great uh, uh, Ball is in Cannes at the moment, and obviously I'm I'm here, so it's kind of hard for for us to uh, to organise something at the moment. It is something we have been talking about, but uh, for the meantime, we're not too sure when we're gonna do something or uh, if we're gonna be doing something at the moment. So I would just say remain patient. Uh, if an announcement comes up sometime this month that we're going to be doing this show, um, let me let, let me let me organize it with him and let me organize it with um, with 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 other people and uh, I'll make an announcement real soon on that. But in the meantime, it's uh, it's definitely one thing I definitely can say is I don't think it's going to be happening on the seventh because uh, right now he he uh, Craig Butler comes back before then and then there's just not gonna be enough time to organize anything so maybe if if he decides to do if he's got the time to do an interview he will let me know and uh, if he does obviously we'll make we'll organize towards that and then so i think if there is going to be a show if there's going to be a hey arnold anniversary show this month sorry this year it's definitely going to not going to be on the 7th it's going to be a bit further down the line so uh, be patient with me i'll definitely try and organize something and uh, and if uh, you know when i've got a, a uh, when I've got an announcement to make, I'll definitely make it. So I'm just saying it now because there's been a lot of people messaging me about it. So I just wanted to uh, uh, put that forward and uh, let, let you all know that so there is something we are thinking about doing, but at the moment it's just not going to be coming in on time. It's going to be probably later on in the month. So uh, that's the way we, we we leave with that. Anyway, thanks for listening to the show. If you want to find me on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Arometa Show. If you want to find me on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash Arometa Show. And also, if you want to find me on Tumblr, it's at aaronmeta.tumblr.com. And for me, and uh, also for Josh as well, and uh, for also Harry, unfortunately, wasn't here this uh, this uh, weekend. He's definitely going to be on the midweek show. So once we do the midweek show, you'll definitely hear him there. So uh, anyway, take care, everybody. Goodbye for now, and I will see you halfway through the week. Goodbye for now.